broaden our minds. Lawrence. From the Ancient One Studio, this is the Cubic Shenanigans Warhammer Podcast. Welcome to the Cube. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 107 of the Cubic Shenanigans Warhammer Podcast. I'm your host, Dan. And I'm Brendan. Brendan, it's time for a change. It's time to actually read a battle tome. (laughs) Yeah, that's a change. (laughs) Disciples of Zinch battle tome, which we're excited to be able to go over. Uh, Lots of interesting stuff going on in this book. And like you said, Brendan, it's battle tome time again. It is is battle tome time. The Disciples of Zinch book has historically been one that Games Workshop has not gotten right in terms of the power scale. Mm -hmm. The previous two releases have... What's the right way to put this? Been extremely good. (laughs) Okay. So we'll take a crack into this. And this is probably the least amount of time we've had in terms of getting ready to do a Battle Tome review. So uh, this is probably going to be closer to some of our more first reactions of this. I've had the book for less than 24 hours. Yes, we we did attempt to look at some other reviews during the week in between other things we were doing. But I learned best with the paper copy. Absolutely. I'm weird like that. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so we're going to take a shot at this. And I think it'll be a lot of fun for all of us. And then, as usual, we've got a fair amount of stuff in ordering and pre-orders. We've got a few events coming up. We want to update. We want to update the Purple Sun for everybody because I'm sure a lot of folks are aware of what happened, but I think there are probably an equal number of folks that aren't quite sure what they've heard or what's going on with the Purple Sun. So we're going to update you on that as well before we talk about the Battle Tome in Emperor Lies. Okay. Otherwise, we're moving on, and it is time to whisper from the warp. Hello, my name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. Brendan, hobby stuff for you? Hobby stuff for me is what we've done at Hobby Night. (laughs) So I built a a croak and I think it's two or three crossbows. Yep, and you took pictures? I did take pictures of our conversion rates. Our our contrasting progress. Yeah, you had an arch revenant and one tree revenant built. Hooray! You know, so two uh, whole models. Yeah, I I only built one more model than you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. You were commenting too how the croak just goes together so well. Shockingly so. If anyone who's seen the new model where it's got you know all the stuff like coming up around him and there's only like mm. it's only connected at the base at a at a couple of locations. I looked at that going in and I was like, this is going to be a spindly mess and just an absolute nightmare. <laughs> I was pleasantly surprised. Like it had really good grooves that everything fit into and it like mm. it had solid connection points and meshed really well and took me a little over an hour to build it. So yeah, it was a. Uh, it's kind cool. of surprising. I'm looking forward to getting to painting it at some point. I don't have a scheme in mind for what I want to do with my Seraphon other than like, I'm kind of thinking I'd like to go in a darker palette, you know, where mm. a lot of Seraphon stuff is like really bright, tropical, lizardy. Yeah. I think I want to kind of go the other direction. Yeah. Deep, dark jungle mm. as opposed to the sunlight jungle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. I actually finished my unit of tree revs that I had started Thursday okay. night. And I also built a box of Gossamed Archers. So I have some special wings that I had ordered that I'm going to put on those, but they can't go on until I'm done painting them. So I'll have to wait for that. But I got all that done. The other thing is I have started 
painting, finally, Durthu, and you saw part of that. I saw his right leg. Uh, yeah, which is done. And I'm pretty happy with the combination. I used several dry brush paints. I used a special effect. I used a shade. I used a wash. I mean, so all kinds of different things in it. I think it turned out good. I think it looks very ghosty. So he looks like a spirit. Once that's everywhere, Mm -hmm. I think that'll look pretty good. I'm still trying to decide what to do with his weapon, but I think that I want to kind of incorporate it into the color scheme somehow because it's so big and prominent in terms of that model. So really happy with the way that came out and hopefully make some progress this week a little bit. So that's hobby for us. And Zinch is here. Uh, Obviously, we're going to talk about it. So all this stuff is in if you want any of it. The other things that are dropping, we have Curse City is back now. And there's a Night Wars supplement to it. So if you already have it and you want to add some new stuff that's there. No new models, but I would assume new rules and other kind of things that go with it. New scenarios, yeah. That's cool. Middle Earth has a made-to-order fellowship that's out. I think it's limited time. All nine of the models are out if you're, you know kind of reaching for that and you haven't had a chance before both the world eaters which you're really happy about very space wolves heresy have gotten pauldrons and helmets which are very cool the world eater helmets are way better yes (laughs) of course i don't like the space wolves helmets the wolf head things just don't look right i don't know what it is i like it on heroes and i I don't know why i like it that Mm. way does not look like it goes for some reason but hey people want to use them Good for them. And then we have the Blood Bowl Amazons are coming out. So that's a new team. And they're going to be available, which is cool. Then the other thing we wanted to talk about briefly is Warhammer Day is next Saturday. So that's October 8th. And there's going to be a preview where they show all kinds of stuff, whatever it is. So that'll be broadcast just like usual previews are. But just to give people a heads up, we're going to try to post this Friday. So at least you can listen to it and, and know that it's going to be out there rather than Saturday when after it's over. I think that's it, Brendan. Isn't it for new stuff? I think so. Yeah, I think that covers it pretty good. Game played anything you're you went solo i hear i did cody and mine scheduled haven't been able to line up too much recently in terms of being able to continue playing our norska campaign Mm -hmm. but i started a kairos solo campaign and kairos has one of the dumbest mechanics i've ever seen in a game you have a meta currency which is basically just books that you collect okay tomes Um, yeah grimoires when you sack cities, like you also get money, but you also get grimoires. You have you know buildings that produce them. Like there's just a bunch of ways to get them. And one of the things you can do is you can take a city from your opponent and give it to yourself or give it to someone else. That's pretty cool. You also have an ability wow. where you can just freeze an arm, like their whole faction for a turn. So like if they're running away from you, you know it's a retreat. You don't quite have the movement to catch them, you know, but they don't really have the movement to pull away. You can pin them in place. Oh, and when I played, Skaven just drove me nuts because I could never catch those little suckers. That would be so cool to be able to catch up to them and just hold them in place. Wow. I also started a Scarbrand campaign yesterday. Oh. And it took me a minute to get hold and understand the mechanics of how the corn faction works because, like, they don't have, like, growth buildings or anything like that. So, like, growth is all dependent on how much fighting you do, like, elsewhere. It's thematic. Very weird campaign mechanics, but Scarbrand just goes on a tear and it's so dumb. (laughs) He can rip through a whole army by himself depending on what the opponent has. It's gross. So, like, what are their 
up units like blood letters obviously they would have yes they have blood letters and they have exalted blood letters they have chaos warriors you know chaos chosen you have corn minotaurs you have soul grinders you have bloodthirsters you have knights you have skull crushers you have blood crushers right okay um, crushers right war shrines skull cannons that kind of thing yeah okay good very cool yeah sounds like you're having a lot of fun with it yeah it's neat i much prefer so like the campaign that came out with total war 3 was just garbage Mm-hmm. I love the Immortal Empires. You're just playing on the map and you're, you know, trying to paint the map in whatever color your faction is. Sure. So I much prefer playing these games with Cody because I feel like I, like when left to my own devices, like really get in my own head, like the way mm-hmm. that I think it needs to go. And the Scarbrand campaign, I did not understand the mechanics the first time and I lost like in turn 15 or something like that. Oh, good. Because, whoops. Then when I came around the second time, I understood the mechanics a little bit better. And okay, that, so perfect. Yeah, that's what I've been playing. Very cool. You know, in Beyond Earth, I am almost at the end. I only had two AIs to beat uh, at Apollo level, at max level. And the first to the last one was arguably the easiest guy because he's so militant that he just sacrifices almost all his tech tree and everything else just to build a bunch of units and expand Mm -hmm. like build lots and lots of colonies and so by the time you run into him by the time i get to a point where i'm willing to be offensive i'm looking at stuff that's like two gens earlier and i'm just sweeping away his cities like one two i take two or three in a turn and there's nothing he can do to stop me between my air support and everything else so this is easy and then but the thing with that contrast, the last AI is the toughest. So that one I'm thinking I'm going to have to roll three or four times through that one probably and figure out how I'm going to do that. But yeah, That's cool. and then I'll be done and I'll, we'll do something else. The other thing, when we were on our camping trip, we played that Trekking Through the National Parks game again. Mm-hmm. Cindy kicked my butt twice. <laughs> she really has got this game down. It was really funny. There's four or five ways probably to win. And we went through different, you know, mechanics and each one of us kind of focused on a different way whatever it was her ways were better than mine so but it was great because we were playing you know outdoors on a picnic table at our campsite and it was just great to do something like that with that theme there out in the middle of nowhere which is really really fun so that's been it for me i don't think you've gotten any sigmar years and i have not either so just kind of still figuring out what i'm going to take to dragonfall so let's move on to events Dragonfall lists are due in less than two weeks, and I think 14th, mm-hmm. you were the one who corrected. I thought it was, I don't know why I had it for, on the 11th on my... It's just like, you told me that, and I'm like, Dan, that's a Wednesday. Like, yeah. that, that doesn't make... It's it, always on Saturdays. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. So I went and double-checked that it is the 14th, so that's coming up, though, pretty darn quick. We're going to have to get those done. And I know you've really been cogitating to try to figure out what you're going to do, but... Yeah, you'll, I'll target... You know, a best in book, realistically. Sure. And then, interestingly enough, Ike, who's running all the war game, board game kind of stuff, he sent out an email to everybody who went to FreeCon this past time and put out a list of all the events that he's going to be running. We're supposed to start scheduling already. Mm-hmm. Like, there were a couple of events that I was thinking about, and all of a sudden, like, half a dozen people have signed up for stuff. I'm going, whoa, I guess we got to schedule that now with him <laughs> rather than when we... Because usually when you get there, there's these little sign-up sheets for each block. And there's two blocks on Friday, three on Saturday, and then one on Sunday. And that's when you do that. But this is the first time, I guess, I've really ever interacted with his group. 
I'm going to sign up for a couple things. There's a thing they do on Sunday morning called, I think it's Chariots of Rome or something. Sounds really fun. And it's usually a good way to end the weekend. So I've got to send that email off and pre-registering for stuff. And then I guess we've got our Adepticon packs submitted, right? You got yours in? I'm most of the way through mine. I really got to work on the paint pack part Mm -hmm. of it. I have the way I want it graded out. I'm just trying to nail down the way I'm stratifying it and explaining it. Okay. But the bulk of it is done. The setup, the mechanics, right? I'm 90% of the way there, I'd say. Okay. And the deadline that we were given was, I guess, technically artificial is is what I found out. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I did ours for Youngbloods. Doug and I had a conversation and it ended up being a couple of pages. I mean, it's pretty Mm -hmm. simple. We're trying to keep it that way, given what the purpose of the event is. But still has some fun things and still certainly keep it Sigmar. Yeah. It was just kind of weird writing a pack for the first time and making sure things were included that needed to be. Yeah. So that's it for events. I think there was the thing up in Minnesota. Has that? Renegade. Yeah. That's coming up. Yep. That's early November. Yep. You know, by the time this comes out, Warhammer Open Chicago, many of our listeners will be at that. Yep. Next weekend, right? mm -hmm. Cool. Holy Wars. The spring one got announced for late January, early February. Oh, okay. that's now, is that table. a singles? That's the singles one. Yeah, okay. All right. The cool. doubles one is the same weekend as Dragonfall this year. Well, I'll definitely have to consider that. I see what we get in the wintertime, in yeah. the springtime. Okay, man. Is that it then? That's it. Okay. Awesomeness. Let us move on then, listeners, to Emperor Lies. I mean, what are we, a team? No, no, no. We're a chemical mixture that makes chaos. We're, we're a time bomb. Listeners, we're going to start Emperor Lies with just an update on Purple Sun. Many people are aware of this, but there are probably several people who aren't. So, Brendan, why don't you just run us through a summary of the changes that have been made to, quote, nerf Purple Sun? Yeah, so we had an FAQ update, and the only meaningful update out of it was an adjustment to Purple Sun. The meaningful change is that the kill mechanic dropped from three inches to one inch. And the kill mechanic has two different levels in its interaction. If you are nine wounds or less, it slays the model outright on the roll of a one. If you are 10 or more wounds, you suffer D6 plus six mortal wounds instead. That's pretty respectable. Still meaningful. It's still a six inch aura of minus one rend. And then the points were increased to 90. From 70? From 70, it was? Yeah. Okay, good. That seems reasonable. Yeah, it's something. I yeah. mean, it's still really good it still kills the small support heroes it still kills some spendy models from time to time it can do enough damage to some meaningful units as well i mean if you spike you Mm -hmm. know on that d6 you could still kill some stuff exactly yeah doing between 7 and 12 mortal wounds to a maw crusher is pretty devastating still a pretty good investment for 90 points having the rend available right is one of those things that it still impacts night haunt in a super meaningful way where Mm -hmm. now your whole army is minimum base one you know because you're going to just move the sun into specific and particular places (laughs) load up on that and then just you know hot knife through butter the rest of what's out there so that's what changed with that okay good right thank you for that So let's get started with the Disciples of Zinch. As always, we're going to start with Allegiance abilities, battle traits, and enhancements, and all those kind of things. We've got a couple of things we're going to be jumping around a little bit. Yes. Yes. Because we think it's appropriate 
based on what we're going to be talking about. So the first thing in Battle Traits is something called Arcane Armies. And this is really, I think, a pretty cool thing for something that's really, it's a magic army. Mm-hmm. And so this is really a neat mechanic. In the first battle round, after the players have received their starting command points, but before the start of the first turn, you can pick one friendly Disciples of Zinch wizard on the battlefield. That wizard can automatically cast a spell that they know that summons one of the Zinch spells. So Burning Sigil, Tome of Eyes, or Demonic Simon alacrum and do not make a casting roll for it. It automatically is cast. That spell cannot be unbound and cannot be dispelled in the first battle round. Set up the endless spell as described in the effects for that spell. Brendan, that's pretty good. Yeah, you still have to pay for it, but Mm -hmm. you get one of the three on the field right off the top. Yeah, and we're going to, out of sequence here, listeners, we're going to talk about those endless spells because we said this rule and what it is. Well, let's talk about why it's important by talking about the things that it can bring onto the battlefield. Let's start with Burning Sigil. Sure. The Burning Sigil comes in at 50 points, which is a pretty good investment for what you're going to get. It's a steal. It has a casting value of a 5 and a range of 18 inches. And you set up Holy Within Range, more than one inch from everything else, and only Disciples of Zinch Wizards can attempt to summon it. The spell it has is Radiant Transmorgification. (laughs) At the end of the movement phase, roll a dice for each unit within nine inches of this endless spell. On a four-up, that unit suffers D3 mortal wounds. If any models were slain by this spell before removing the first slain model, the commanding player of the model that summoned this endless spell can add one Zinch Chaos spawn to their army and set it up within three inches of the slain model's unit, then remove the slain model. So two things, Brendan, jumps out. First of all, we're talking about a 27-inch range for threat. Mm -hmm. That's pretty respectable on the first turn. So the other thing is that it does say that it's the first model slain. So it's not like you can put it a spawn at every unit that loses a model if there's multiple units. This would be the single best 50 points you can spend in the whole game, if that were true. (laughs) Yes, right. Cool, I summon it down. I pinged a bunch of different units. I'm within three inches of everything. Cool, you're locked in there. I'm going to do it again in my turn now. Yeah, right. I'm going to keep you here. And I'm going to have half a dozen spawn in your army. Yeah. <laughs> Just running around like... It would be a 50-point auto win. Yes. Very, very good rules writing, I think, here to make sure this thing is reasonable. Boy, for 50 points, Brendan, it's, it seems really worthwhile. Yeah. All right. So let's go to Tome of Eyes. Kind of like a pet endless spell is what this ends up being. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It is summoned with a casting value of five. It has a range of one inch. If it is cast successfully, set up this endless spell within range and visible to the caster and more than one inch from all other models, other endless spells and invocations. Only disciples of each wizards can attempt to cast this endless spell. A wizard in a garrison cannot attempt to cast a spell. Okay. And if it is summoned, the wizard that summoned it cannot join a garrison until this endless spell has been removed from play. Fair. Okay, so linked is the special rule here. After the model that summoned this endless spell has moved, remove the endless spell from the battlefield and set it up again within one inch of the model and more than one inch from all other models, other endless spells and invocations. If the model that summoned this endless spell is removed from play, then this endless spell is removed from play. Here's a question. So it says that after this model is moved... After the summon, after the casting model moved. Right. After the casting model moves, does that mean if I teleport to another point on the battlefield, this spell will still follow me? Yep. Okay. Very good. There is a small bit of difficulty in this is that you have to keep this also one inch away from everything all the time whenever Mm -hmm. you set it up. You have to move your model into a place to have it follow you. Otherwise, my assumption would be that you would lose it. 
granted, if you can't place it mm-hmm. appropriately. Yeah, it's either it would have to be ruled one of two ways where you either can't make that move because this doesn't trigger and it doesn't come with you, mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. this can't follow you and therefore it goes. Okay. The two sub rules here we have transfixed by countless eyes. Mm-hmm. You can reroll casting rolls for the model that summoned this endless spell while it's on the battlefield. Nice recast, never bad thing. Then the parchment curse is a spell that is known by the model that summoned this spell. While this endless spell is on the battlefield, it has a casting value of eight, so pretty hard to get off. Well, that's why you need the reroll. Yeah, there you go. And a range of 18. If successfully cast, pick one enemy unit within range of visible to the caster and roll a die. On a three up, that unit suffers D3 mortal wounds in addition for each model slain by those mortal wounds. Subtract one from bravery characteristics for the rest of the game. Good stuff. 40 points. It's okay. Yeah. The last one up is the Demonic Simulacrum. Mm-hmm. This is the predatory one. So yeah, there we go. Casting value of a 7 and a range of 12 inches. Set it up whole within range and more than 1 inches from all other models. It's predatory with a 9-inch move and can fly. And then after this model has moved, roll 9 dice for the closest unit within 6 inches of it. More than If more than 1 unit is equally close, the commanding player can choose which. For each 5 up, that unit suffers 1 mortal wound. If the unit is a wizard, it suffers one mortal wound for each four up instead of a five up. Nice. This is a 27-inch threat range, it looks like, when you add up all the numbers, 12 mm-hmm. and 9 and 6, right? Set up 12, move 9, and then within 6. Yeah. So that would be 27. Mm-hmm. And for each five up, that's... Yeah, you're on average doing three mortal wounds. Yep. For 60 points. Three or four to five if you're a wizard, but still, not bad. I think there are better damage spells for the cost. Sure. And so... If you're looking to get the free one out, because number one, you have to buy it. Yes. And then it goes out. I think the thing you're going to see a bunch is the burning sigil. It's either going to be that or you're going to see Tome of Eyes for the reroll casting rolls so that you have that in your pocket for Mm -hmm. casting something big in your first turn. All right. So those are the endless spells that you can bring on the board automatically. Can't be dispelled on turn one or before Mm -hmm. turn one, really. All right. Battle round one. Yeah, battle round one. Masters of Destiny. Uh, Okay. Destiny dice. So this is the same. At the end of deployment, you roll nine dice and put them to one side. These are your destiny dice. You use these instead of making a roll. Mm-hmm. It spells out explicitly that you have to, you know, if it's a roll of multiple dice, like a casting roll or a charge roll, you need to use two destiny dice for that action instead of just one. Mm-hmm. They can be modified unless specifically noted. So you can only use destiny dice for casting rolls, unbinding rolls, dispelling rolls, run rolls, charge rolls, hit rolls, wound rolls. Save rolls, which can be modified by the end of the weapon. Mm-hmm. Any roll that determines the damage characteristic of a missile or melee weapon. So you can't use it for mortal wounds or anything like that. It right. has to be the damage characteristic. Mm-hmm. And then battle shock, which you still modify the roll by the number of models slain from the unit. They count as having been modified. They cannot be re-rolled and cannot be modified further, except in the two instances, which is battle shock and save. Okay. Yeah. Still a powerful mechanic. Very. Very, very. You have nine dice that you know that you can Mm -hmm. use to get a very specific result. Yeah. And to be successful with Zinch, you have to learn how to manage these things. And there are plenty of tools in the book to manage these. There are plenty of ways to use these to a pretty large advantage. In some cases, we're going to go through all the enhancements and stuff. But you have a lot of tools to manage them. You can either mm-hmm. spend them all or you can not spend them all and get a benefit from, from that, or you can replace them. You have so many ways to keep this. That's one of the bigger changes this time around is the access to getting more 
Destiny dice. You were always able to get Destiny dice before, but yes. there are more mechanics currently that let you either acquire or modify your existing Destiny dice. Yes, which is really, really neat. Okay, Locus of Change is subtract one from hit rolls for attacks made with melee weapons that target friendly disciples of Zinch demons that are wholly within 12 inches of a friendly Zinch demon hero. Okay. Yeah, neat. You get the Change Covens, which are... Your six sub-factions. And we'll talk about those at some point. Yep. Then you've got your summoning mechanic, your fate points. Fate points are relatively straightforward to explain and acquire. You can summon disciples of each unit to the battlefield if you have enough fate points. Each time a casting roll is successful and the spell is not unbound, you receive one fate point. Okay. And that works for both players, right? So you need to keep track of what your opponent is casting as well. Right. And so there's that balance, right, of do you want to shut down everything or do you want to slowly acquire some of these fate points? Mm -hmm. Do you want to, you know, hold off on trying to cast some things to deny your opponents acquiring their fate points like that? Okay. But the summoning mechanic is if you have any fate points at the end of your movement phase, you can summon one unit from the list below to the battlefield and add it to your army. Each unit you summon costs the number of fate points shown on the table. Set up hole within nine inches of a hero and more than nine inches from an enemy and it starts off with a lord of change for 30 points which (laughs) sure fate skimmer herald 24 10 pinks is 20 one burning chariot is 18 three flamers is 18 change casters 12 exalted flamers 12 a flux master on disc is 12 10 blues is 10 10 brims is 10 three screamers is 10 yep to remember here, important thing is you can summon one unit mm-hmm. from below, no matter how many points you have. So if you were thinking, hey, you know, I'm going to save up a bunch of points and summon three units at a time, you can't do that. You have to either spend them as you acquire them or save them up for something more valuable. Yep. Have that choice to make. Yep. And it doesn't zero out, which is good. And very, now corn nice. doesn't do that either. Thankfully, there's no mechanic right now that zeroes out with yeah, the spend. Use or lose. That's just not fun. I fight it. You know, interesting to look at these points, like 10 pink horrors. It's just when we talk about horrors, that's a really good unit to have on the board for 20 fate points. I mean, if you've got another casting army or if you cast a fair amount, it wouldn't take you very long to get 20 fate points. No. And and put another unit of 10 pinks on the board, or even if you don't have any to start and you throw 10 pinks on the board somewhere. Whoa. Yeah, thankfully, one of the kind of snowball cascading mechanics that you saw before where a player could end up on this crazy streak of cast is largely gone. I know I've been on the receiving end of a couple where my opponent has an hour-long hero phase, and you just go, <laughs> cool, he cast 35 spells because, you know, the right mechanic kept triggering. Woo. Well, here comes the Lord of Change. <laughs> but, you know, if it's part of your army, you have to do that. You, and- you have to understand your mechanics. It is your responsibility as a player to play in a timely mm-hmm. manner. There's some complicated mechanics in this book that we're going to get into, but... This book is less complicated than it's ever been. Mm -hmm. Which is good. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. It's still quite complicated, though. Leeches of Chaos, then, is the next rule. And basically, Brendan, I don't know that we need to go into the details of this. Just to say that you can include coalition units from Mm -hmm. Slaves of Darkness that are appropriately marked with Mark of Zinch. You can bring in Beasts of Chaos. You can not bring in Corn or Nurgle. And remembering that coalition units don't count against your ally points right that's important so you could bring a fair amount of these uh, units from these other armies into your army and still consider it a disciple of zinch army yep coalition units can't be your general 
and two in every four can be Slaves to Darkness, one in every four can be Beasts of Chaos. It's the same it's, as all of the other Chaos factions. Yeah, yep. it, but it's there, and it's available if you want to do such a thing. Mm-hmm. Then the last one we have here is Transform to Spawn. We'll talk about the rule real quick, and really all this is, Brendan, it's a description of how to do it, to make it clear for everyone. And then we're going to talk about the Chaos Spawn War Scroll, because... You kind of need to know about. There's a lot of stuff as we go through here that can change things into spawn, including the sigil we talked about already. Mm-hmm. So if a model's transformed into a spawn, you can add one Zinch Chaos Spawn unit that has one model into your army, set up the Chaos Spawn within one inch of the model that has been transformed, and then remove the transformed model from play. The designer's note here is hilarious. Yes. A, tran- uh, a transform <laughs> model does not count as a slain model for the purposes of Battleshock rules and cannot be returned if you are allowed to bring back slain models. The model has not been slain. In addition, if your general is transformed into spawn, stupid. that chaos spawn becomes your general and cannot issue commands. Oh my god. Okay. Sure. <laughs> That's just nutty. Just it's very odd. odd. So, chaos spawn is... A 5-wound, 5-up save model has a move of 2d6 and a bravery of 10. It has the Zinch keyword, Disciples of Zinch keyword. And the first rule for it is Spawn of Sorcery. Heal all of the wounds allocated to this unit if a wizard within 9 inches of this unit successfully casts a spell. Okay, and it's not unbound. Good. Fine. I think that's neat. Yep. And then writhing tentacles. If the unmodified hit roll for an attack made with freakish mutations, and we'll talk about the profile there in a minute, is six. The target suffers one mortal wound and the attack sequence ends. Do not make a wound or save roll. So the profile is one inch range, 2d6 attacks. So it could spike pretty mm-hmm. good. Four by four, no rend, and then one damage. So for a unit you're hoping to get for free, you know, <laughs> periodically throughout the game. It's an 85-point model. I mean, if you just get one or two of them, that's a fair amount of payoff. Yeah. That's really, really good. And that's partly why I think you're going to see the sigil so much, mm. is you are going to have just this absolutely excellent source of just annoying your opponent. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Cool. So over to heroes then. Yeah, heroes it is. Yeah, okay. let's hit heroes. And like all chaos books, the book is almost exclusively heroes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got a bunch of those. Yeah. So why don't you talk about the man himself? You're just talking about playing Kairos and Warhammer. So why don't you? Yeah. Normally we don't like to talk about what models or war scrolls were or weren't before. No. I will say that I'm really disappointed in Kairos's new war scroll. Yeah. The points level that he's at, I don't think is reflective of the value that you're going to get out of this model. And then also they took away one of like the fundamentally unique mechanics of Kairos, mm-hmm. which was the ability to change a single dice mm-hmm. over the course of the game. Yeah. Brutal, brutal mechanic. Yeah. Like, you spent all game thinking about, like, you know, as a player who had him, right. is this when I spend it? Or, you know, you as the opponent of, like, where is you know, your opponent going to spend it. Mm-hmm. As much of a pain in the butt as it was, love that mechanic. Yeah. So anyways, Kairos Fateweaver is a 16-wound model with a 4-up save, 10 bravery, and a movement that tables from 12 down to 8. He has two combat attacks, the Staff of Tomorrow! 3-inch range, 3 attacks, <laughs> uh, hits on 3s, wounds on 1s, down to 4s, rend 1, damage 2. And his curved beak, which is 1-inch range, 5 attacks, 4s and 3s, rend 1, damage 2. Mm-hmm. And uh, just like... Most models in the newer books, it's only four steps in this particular table. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Three cast, three unbind wizard who can fly. 
Use Beacon of Sorcery. You add one to casting, dispelling, and unbinding rolls for friendly zinch wizards while they're whole within 18 inches of this unit. Mm -hmm. In addition, this unit knows all of the spells from the Lore of Change. That's the demon lore. Mm -hmm. It's a spell thief. If this unit successfully dispels an endless spell, instead of dispelling it, you can say that it will steal it. If you do so, this unit gains control of that endless spell and counts as the wizard that summoned it until it is dispelled or another unit steals it. No, I like that mechanic, and I like that change. That's really good. Yeah, that's neat. That is very, very cool. So, cast your purple sun. Whoops. (laughs) It's mine now, yeah. Very fun. You could theoretically have two purple suns under your dominion, then. Correct, yeah. Yep. Which, boy. (laughs) Okay. Kairos is the Oracle of Eternity. At the start of your hero phase, if this unit is part of your army and the battlefield and you have fewer than nine destiny dice, you can roll a dice and add it to your destiny dice. Good. Fine. Yeah, that's nice. The Mastery of Magic. When casting and binding your spelling, you can change the lowest D6 to match the highest D6. Mm-hmm. And then Infernal Gateway has a casting value of a 7 and a range of 18 inches. You pick one enemy unit within range and roll nine dice. That enemy unit suffers one mortal wound for each roll that is equal to or greater than the Infernal Gateway value shown on the caster's table. It starts at a 3-up and goes to a 6-up. Okay. That's Kairos. The Lords of Change come in as being particularly spendy. So the Lord of Change is 400 and Kairos is 435. So Kairos is no longer alliable, but the Lords of Change are. I think for 435, that's kind of a tall order. That's my thought. Sure. Okay, so Lord of Change is 14 wounds, uh, 4 up save, 10 bravery. He has 4 profiles. He has a Rod of Sorcery, a ranged attack, which is 18 inches, 2d6, 3 by 3 is minus 1, 1 damage. Mm-hmm. And then Staff of Zinch, every Lord of Change needs a staff. 3 inch range, 4 attacks, 3 up to hit, and then to wound goes from yeah 1 plus to 4 plus, and then no rend and 2 damage. Baleful Sword, which is 1 inch, 3 attacks, 4 by 2s. Minus two red, three damage. That's pretty respectable. And then we have the Curb Beacon Wicked Talons. Same thing, one inch, four by uh, four attacks, four by threes, minus one, two damage. A two caster and a two unbinder well, so, can fly. So oh. real quick, talking about the profiles, you don't get all four. Right, you, you, you have do, to choose. Yes, you have to make a choice. So you either yep. get the Staff of Zinch and the Baleful Sword, you get the Staff of Zinch and the Rod of Sorcery, or the Staff of Zinch and the Curve Beak and Wicked Talons. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you do make that choice. Right? Yes. A Spell Thief is the same as it was for... Kairos, mm-hmm. no change there. Mastery of Magic is the same, and Infernal Gateway is the same. Yep. So, yeah. Yeah, so the benefit that you'd be getting here in the Lord of Change, you lose two wounds, 16 versus 14, mm-hmm. but the Lord of Change is unnamed, so you have access to giving them the enhancements of either yep. you know, command trait and artifacts, which we'll get into in a little bit. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yep. You have the Fate Skimmer, who is a herald on Burning Chariots. Yep. 14-inch move, 4-up save, bravery 10, 8 wounds. Has the Magical Flames missile weapon attack, 18-inch range, 3 attacks, 4s by 4s, rend 1, damage 1. The Staff of Change, 2-inch range, 1 attack, 4s by 3s, rend 1, damage D3. The Ritual Dagger, which is 1-inch range, 2 attacks, 4s by 4s, no rend, damage 1. And the Lamprey Bites from the Screamers, 1-inch range, 6 attacks, 3s by 3s, rend 1, damage 1. It can fly. It's a 1-cast, 1-unbind wizard. It possesses an arcane tome, but not the artifact. So, you know, it, it's a different arcane tome. Right. You couldn't have called it something else. But right. Okay. No, no, arcane Grimoire, <laughs> yes. I think, would have... Uh, it would have been thematic, yes. Yeah. So. Once per battle, you can reroll one casting roll for this unit. If you do so, add three to the new casting roll. That's pretty good. I like that. Yeah, very nice. Yep. And then Wake of Fire. After this unit has made a normal move, run or retreated, pick one enemy unit, roll a dice. If this unit passed across any models in that enemy unit, on a two-up, that enemy unit suffers D3 mortal wounds 
solid. Zinch's Firestorm, which, you know, is a pretty good spell here. Casting value of a nine, and this is probably where you're going to use your once-per-battle reroll to, <laughs> right. you know... Try to get this off. Yep. Range of nine inches. If successfully cast, roll a dice for each enemy unit within range and visible to the caster. On a two-up, that unit suffers D3 mortal wounds. Okay. Throw them out there, drop the spell, and do as much damage in an area as you possibly can. Yeah. Cool little guy. Mm -hmm. This also counts as a monster for some reason. It's really weird. It's probably because of the screamer, but that's still... Yeah, but screamers aren't monsters. Right. It's still kind of weird. Very weird. Super weird. Yeah. If this is a monster, I have some questions about some other models. <laughs> yeah. If this eight-wound model is a monster, then why isn't Radicar right. a monster? Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, it makes no sense. I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? So, Dan, how about another Herald of Zinch? Yeah, it's the uh, Fluxmaster this time. He is six wounds, a couple less, and he's got a four-up save. Moves 16 because he's on a screamer. And 10 bravery. He has Magical Flames, which is three attacks, four by fours, minus one, one. Staff of Change. I think these are the same. The Staff of Change, the Retral Dagger. Yep, they're the same as they were. And the Teeth and Horns is a little different on this one. Well, because he's on a disc and not right. a... Right. He's on a disc, not a chariot. Yep. So he's the only thing that's different is Teeth and Horns, one inch range. D3 attacks, 4 by 3 is minus 1, and D3 damage, so a little better. Okay, he flies, of course. This unit can attempt to cast one spell, so he's a one-cast, one-unbind wizard. He has the Arcane Tome again. You can reroll one casting roll for this unit once per battle, and if you do so, you add three to the casting roll. Very nice. And then Blue Fire of Zinch is a spell that has a casting value of 8 and a range of 18. If successfully cast, pick one enemy unit. Within range, visible to the caster, roll 9 dice on a 5 up. That enemy unit suffers one mortal wound, and the caster's army receives one fate point if it is a Disciples of Zinch army. So for each 5 up, you can get a fate point. Yeah, I quite like that. So you get the point for the spell being cast, and then you Mm -hmm. would get a point for every 5 up that you roll. You throw, Yeah. yeah. I think that's pretty slick. That's a pretty neat mechanic. You are definitely going to have access to having lots of casting abilities within the army, but having free opportunities to pick up, you know, some extra fate points is certainly uh, something welcome. 170 points, so a little spendy for a six-wound hero, but... one cast, yeah. I do think... That mechanic could be very impactful. mm -hmm. This, I think, would be a character that you would want the Tome of Eyes on, potentially, for re-rolling the casting rolls mm-hmm. to try and get to that value of eight and get this spell going as much as possible so that you can have an increased value in terms of, of fate points getting on the table if you're trying to look after a summoning mechanic. Sure. The next up is the Changeling. Pretty cool war scroll here. He does some interesting things. Yeah, and the model is always so wonderful. It's just very cool. Mm. And he's a pullover from 40K because he's very much involved in the 40K lore. Five-inch move, five-up save, ten bravery, five-wound model with the Trickster Staff. Two-inch range, three attacks, threes by threes, rend one, damage D3. Two cast, two unbind wizard which, respectable. Oh, yeah. They are the Arch Deceiver. After deployment, but before the first battle round begins, you can remove this unit from the battlefield. If you do so at the end of your first movement phase, you must set this unit up, again, anywhere within your opponent's territory, more than three from all enemy units. It's a good thing he's not a super combat character, because that would be mean as heck. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, yeah. 
Then he has the Puckish Misdirection. In the enemy hero phase, you can pick one enemy unit within nine inches of this unit. If you do so until your opponent's next hero phase, subtract one from hit rolls for attacks made by that enemy unit and have the move characteristic of that enemy unit rounding up. Now, some people have talked about the fact that he's not very valuable, but you know, he, I'm looking at him and I'm saying, he's how many points, Brendan? 160 points. Yeah, for 160 points, let's just say, for example, you have a Maw Crusher that can basically move across the entire board, right? I'm hoping I'm doing this right here. But you can pick one enemy unit within nine inches of this unit. And if you've redeployed, if you deployed him correctly, he could be just outside of three inches of a Maw Crusher, let's say, for example. Correct. Now, if you do so, it says in your opponent's next hero phase, subtract one from hit rolls, but you can have the move characteristic of that model. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's pretty good. So also setting up within 12 inches means that the Maw Crusher can't move. It has to declare a charge. Mm -hmm. So you've controlled that portion of it. Yep. And then the other part of it is you would have the movements so that even if it chooses to not charge into you and screw you up that way, you've negated its ability to move pretty much anywhere on the board at will. You have controlled a sizable part of the of the board space. So there is value here, and that's I'm just one example that comes to mind for me. Mm -hmm. I think you'll need some greater versatility to find value in it, mm -hmm. but it is one of those interesting, very tech-oriented pieces mm. that you can use as different problems come up in the game space. Okay. All right, changeling it is. Yeah, so Dan, would you like to talk about another Herald of Zinch? Yeah, this is fun. It's not like they have many of these. Uh, I just love his moon face. It's just, <laughs> I don't know where that came from, but whoever sculpted this, it is cool. Changecaster is a herald, as you said. Five wounds, five up save, five inch move, ten bravery. It is a wizard, one cast, one unbind. It has the arcane tome. An arcane tome. <laughs> yeah. It has a zinch arcane tome. Let's, put, let's do that. So it also has some profiles here. It has magical flames, 18 inches, three attacks, four by fours, minus one, one. Sounds familiar. <laughs> the staff of change is two inch range, one attack, four by threes, minus one D3 damage. And then a ritual dagger, which is one inch range, two attacks, four by fours, no rend, one damage. So yeah, whatever. His pink fire zinch though is a spell that has a casting value of seven, a range of 18. If successfully cast, pick one enemy unit within range. Subtract one from save rolls for attacks that target that unit until your next hero phase. For the points, I, I don't know. What do you think? You're 140 points for this one, or 170 points for the one on disc, or 180 points for the one on the chariot. Ah, uh, yeah. No. No. <laughs> no. He's a cool model. Maybe you paint him up, but I don't know how much utility he's going to have when you're looking for something that's going to be worth the points you're going to spend. The last of the demon heroes. Yeah is the Blue Scribes, 16 inch move, four up save, bravery 10, five wounds. They have their sharpened quills, one inch range, two attacks, fives by fives, no <laughs> rend damage one. Silly. Solid combat profile. Uh, the teeth and horns, <laughs> right. one inch range, D3 attacks, fours and threes, uh. rend one damage, D3. It's clearly what you're taking it for. Yes. Don't look at any of the other rules. Uh, one cast, one unbind wizard that can fly. They have frantic scribbling. This is also a very good rule. If this unit is part of a Disciples of Zinch army, each time an enemy wizard within nine inches of this unit successfully casts a spell and that spell is not unbound, you can roll a dice on a three up, you receive a fate point. Oh, cool. So you can double up on what your opponents successfully manage to get off. Sure. The thing that most people are going to use it for is the Scrolls of Sorcery. They know all of the spells from the Lore of Fate and the Lore of Change, so the Mortal That's and the Demon Lore. amazing. In addition, once in each of your hero phases, when this unit attempts to cast a spell, instead of making a casting roll, you can say it will read from its Scrolls of Sorcery. If you do so, roll a dice and on a two-up, it is successfully cast and cannot be unbound. Boom. Brendan, that's amazing. 
Yeah. You've I mean, got the entire spell lore for this book in this unit, and you can pick any of those spells. I mean, talk about tactical flexibility that you have from this unit and on a two up i mean that's incredibly reliable and when we get back to the lore you know you're going right. to see that there's definitely some good ones that having a 160 point model who's casting some of these on a two it's pretty good yeah i mean that's a lot more reliable than rolling two dice for a cast you know mm-hmm. very 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 strong so yep i think you're going to see blue scribes in a lot of zinch armies there's no wonder why sure yeah <laughs> makes perfect sense so we're going to move on then because we're doing heroes to our last demon hero is the gaunt summoner because he is a demon now he, i believe oh yeah would you look at that the demon they are demons so gaunt summoner is six wounds four up save 16 inch move eight bravery he has a few profiles he has a chain staff 18 inches three by threes minus one rend one damage and then he has a warp tongue blade which is one inch to attacks three by threes minus two d3 damage and then teeth and horns from his little flying buddy one inch d3 attacks four by threes minus one and one damage he is a two cast to unbind wizard and he starts out with a book of profane secrets so at least they didn't call it arcane tome thank <laughs> goodness and at one to casting dispelling and unbinding rolls for this unit in addition this unit knows all of the spells from the lore of fate this is why i thought he was immortal still yep awesome that's cool lords of the silver tower now this is a really cool thing he's got. Once per battle at the end of the phase, you can pick one enemy hero that is within nine inches of this unit that made an attack and targeted this unit in that phase or caused any mortal wounds to this unit with an ability or spell in that phase, even if the wounds or mortal wounds were negated. If you do so, roll 2d6. If the roll is greater than the wounds characteristic of that hero or model, it is removed from play. Wow, and it cannot be returned if you're allowed to bring back slain models. Because it's not been slain. Yeah, pretty cool. I mean, it's a fun little rule. Yeah. You know, it's conditional for sure, but yeah. It's fun to have that up your sleeve if you're in that position. And then why don't you talk about Silvered Portal, because this is another really cool thing. Silvered Portal, after you've deployed this unit, when you would set up another friendly Zinch unit that is not a monster... You can say that it is in the Gaunt Summoner's Silver Towers Reserve Unit. Up to two units can be set up in reserve in this way. At the end of any of your movement phases, you can set up one or more of these units on the battlefield wholly within nine inches of this unit and more than nine inches from all enemy units. At the start of the fourth battle round, uh, reserve units that are still in the Silver Tower are destroyed. So, Brendan, the first thing that popped into my mind with this is I went back to coalition units. Mm-hmm. And I was just thinking, like, what if you had a really big unit of like Chosen or Chaos Warriors or something? They're Zinch. Yeah. They got the mark. Just drop them wholly within nine inches of this guy. But he's moving 16 inches. Yes. And he can run. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you could drop them pretty much anywhere you would want to. And I can't imagine what that would be like to have a giant unit of those guys drop somewhere. Yeah. That would just be disturbing. There is a pretty cool setup that you can do with this, okay. right? Because it, it's at the end of your movement phase. Yes. So he moves 16. He can run. Mm-hmm. You drop him down, you know, wholly within nine, more than nine inches away. You know, so that's... 34 inches. Pretty yeah. far. Yeah. And then you still have access to using your destiny dice mm-hmm. to land a charge automatically. <laughs> Quite the delivery system. Wow. Of so many units that could be incredibly impactful. Not in this book, there's some, mm-hmm. but even outside of this book because of that option you have. Very interesting choices that you Ooh, can make. Wow, very, very cool. And then his spell, Infernal Flames, has a casting value of a seven and a range of 12. Pick one enemy unit within range, invisible to caster. Roll one dice for each model in that unit. For each five up, it suffers a mortal wound. If the unit is a monster or war machine, roll five dice for each model instead of one. Is Horde Buster? 
Yep. At five up, that's reasonable. Better than six Better up. than most. Yeah, a lot of them are six up. So very good. He seems very worthwhile. Absolutely. He really does. And then you have the Gaunt Summoner, not on disc, which is yeah. the exact same model with one fewer wound and 11 fewer inches of movement and cannot fly. Yeah. Basically, the difference for the disc is 40 points, 275 for the Gaunt Summoner on disc and 235 for the one on foot. And if you've got the points for it, the one on disc is pretty good. Sign me up. I want to fly. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Let's take a break before we jump into the Very Mortals and Arcanites heroes. Yep. And we'll jump into Mortals. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I break your concentration? It's time for some mortal heroes, Brendan. Yes. And why don't we start with a fun buddy called the Magister. Yeah. So we've got the Magister on disc. 16-inch move, 4-up save, bravery 7, 6 wounds. He's a Zinchian rune staff, which is a ranged weapon. 18 inches, 1 attack, 3s by 4s, no rend damage, D3. So... You're going to rely on it to do all of your damage. The Warp Steel Sword, 1-inch range, 1 attack, 4s by 4s, no rend damage 1. The Teeth and Horns, 1-inch range, D3 attacks, 4s by 3s, rend 1, damage D3. 1 cast, 1 unbind, flies, magic touched. The first casting attempt made by this unit in your hero phase is successful and the spell is not unbound. This unit can attempt to cast one extra spell in that phase. If it does so and the casting roll for the extra spell is a double, the casting attempt automatically fails and this unit is slain. If this happens, you can choose for this unit to be transformed into a spawn instead of being slain. Yes! Fun. Yeah, so you can't keep going, which is nice. (laughs) Yeah, right. Uh, (laughs) Right. Oh, man. Then his spell, the Bolt of Change, has a casting value of 7 and a range of 18 inches. You pick an enemy unit visible to the caster. It suffers D3 mortal wounds. You can say that the first enemy model slain by this spell, each time it is cast, is transformed into a spawn instead of being slain. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty neat. So this guy could cast Sigil Mm -hmm. and turn something into a spawn, and then cast his own spell and turn something else into a spawn. Yep. He could. Yep. Not that he will, but that's really cool. The potential there is really fun. And he's not many points. He's pretty cheap. It's not very durable. You know, the bravery isn't very good, but it's 145 points for a one-cast wizard who has the possibility of being a two-cast wizard. Mm Mm-hmm. Sure, why not? And then we have the Magister who runs around on foot. He's basically the same guy, except he doesn't fly. Yep. So, yeah, he's got less wounds. One less wound, right? Yeah, one less wound. So he's five wounds and a five-up save instead of yeah, six movement wounds and six. a four-up save. Yeah. yeah. So instead of 16. Yep. But otherwise, same. Magic touch, bolt of change. Those things are the same. It's like, yeah, these chaos books have all of these heroes, but many of them are just a slightly different iteration of the same hero. <laughs> Hero on foot, hero on horse, hero on chariot, hero on throne. (laughs) Right. Yeah, yeah, sure. Mm. Does make it it cool. Now, one of the things I do like about this book as we're talking through the mortals is I like the variation of the different mortal heroes. Not only the models, but the rules are so different and unique. We're going to talk about it, sure, at the end, but I think that the mortal heroes are really worth considering. I think they're very much worth worth the points and very much worth in terms of their abilities, not just focusing on the demon heroes. Because they have access to the lore of fate, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I think between the two, Mm. the lore of fate is the one that is going to keep your army going more often than not. Sure. So let's talk about the Cursling. Got a new model, which is great. The old model wasn't bad either. They're both really sharp looking. Mm -hmm. But do you want to talk about the Cursling or do you want to talk about the Fate Master? Which would you rather? I'll do the Cursling. Okay. Five inch move, three up save, bravery seven, five wounds, a, you know, another 
Arcanite Mortal Hero has a ranged weapon of Hurled Arcane Energy, 18-inch range, D6 attacks, 3s by 3s, rend 1, damage 1. Okay. A Blazing Sword, 1-inch range, 4 attacks, 3s by 3s, rend 1, damage 2. The Staff of Zinch, 1-inch range, D6 attacks, 4s by 4s, no rend, damage 1. 2 cast, 2 Unbind Wizard. Mm-hmm. A Disruptor of the Arcane. You can reroll Unbinding into Spelling Rolls for this unit. Cool. Solid. Vessel of Chaos. If this unit successfully unbinds a spell, it can immediately attempt to cast a Glean Magic spell, even if it is the enemy hero phase. If that spell is successfully cast, it cannot be unbound, which is pretty good, especially when we look at what Glean Magic does. Yep. Is a spell with a casting value of a four. Four. And a a range of 30 inches. (laughs) That's insane, Brenton. Pick one enemy wizard within range and visible to the caster. Pick one spell from that wizard's war scroll. It is possible for this unit to cast and roll a dice on a two-up. The caster knows that spell for the rest of the battle. <laughs> that is so good. Man, oh man, oh man. Wow. The note here, spells that require the caster of a specific keyword, refer to a damage table, or require an endless spell to be part of their army, cannot be picked with this ability. Well, and it does specify, it says, from that wizard's war scroll. Mm-hmm. So it can't be out of their lore. Yep. It's got to be in their war scroll. But... Enemy wizards in this game have a lot of cool, unique spells. So Very much so. That is cool. There are some pretty cool spells that I think you'd want to be able to grab hold of over the course of a battle. Even in a Zinchoff, if you didn't have a Lord of Change, for instance, having, you know, obviously you can't quite do it because the Firestorm has the damage table, but there's a number of things that you can come across that are quite good, like, or the Herald on Disc. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't you love to have... The ability to generate extra fate points if that's, you know, not the model that you picked. Sure. Seems good to me. Yeah. So very good. Cursling is well worth the points. Very, very cool. Mm -hmm. So the next one is the Fate Master. Which is one of the oldest and worst models. Yes, but he's a cool guy. He's a mortal, obviously. Six wounds, three up save, three up save, which is very unusual, very good. 16-inch move because he's on a... On a disc. Disc and eight bravery. So he's got the fire glaive, which is two inch range, three attacks, three by threes, one rend D3 damage, and then teeth and horns on the disc. He is... Oh, he's not a wizard. He's not a wizard. He's not a wizard. Oh, gosh. What are you thinking? He has a soul-bound shield. Each time this unit is affected by a spell or ability of an endless spell, he can roll a die. And on a four up, ignore the effects. Cool. And then he's the Lord of Fate, and this is probably what you're taking for. He adds one to wound rolls for attacks made by friendly Disciples of Zinch units, wholly within nine inches. That is both demon and mortal. Demon and mortal, melee and ranged. Yes. Very, very cool. We'll get to the base units, but having plus one to wound on something like Flamers of Zinch... Pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah. Very cool little guy. And you know, he's kind of like, what is a unit? Did we just talk about somebody who adds one to wound rolls? The Arch Revenant. I think it's the Arch Revenant. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty cool. I mean, you take him for that. And this affects the whole army. Yes. Not just one Not unit. Not just Kurnoths. Yeah. yeah. So very cool. The fighty hero in the book. <laughs> My favorite model. This is just so cool. And those new chaos models that we saw for slaves. The Ogroid Myrmidons. Yeah. And they just fantastic looking model yep so the thaumaturge is the one fighty hero in the book (laughs) six inch move four up save bravery eight eight wounds he has his horns one inch range two attacks threes by threes rend two damage three the staff two inch range three attacks threes by threes rend one damage d3 and the hooves one inch range four attacks threes by threes no rend damage one and because he's fighty you would think he wasn't what he is he's a wizard but he is (laughs) one cast one unbind yep berserk rage 
Add one to hit and wound rolls for attacks made with melee weapons by this unit. If any wounds or mortal wounds were allocated to this unit earlier in that phase. Mm-hmm. All right. And then choking tendrils, casting value of a seven, a range of 18. Pick one enemy unit within range and visible to caster. It suffers D6 mortal wounds. For each model that is slain by a mortal wound caused by the spell, you can heal one wound allocated to the caster. Okay. I think we're going to see that Berserk Rage again sometime this calendar year, perhaps. We hope. <laughs> On another unit. Cool guy. It's nice, it's cool, it's a sweet model. Has been since it came out. Mm. Painter's Dream. Super great. And our last hero, Dan. Yes. Sangor Shaman. Nice. Yeah, Sangor Shaman. 16-inch move, 6 wounds, 4 up saves, 6 bravery. He's a runaway guy. <laughs> yeah, uh, there's Angor, so... <laughs> yeah. Staff of change, 2-inch range, 1 attack, 4 by 3 is minus 1 D3. Ritual dagger, 1-inch... This looks familiar again. Wow. <laughs> Unbelievable. Two attacks, four by fours, nothing, one damage, and then teeth and horns. Yes, those teeth and horns. He is a wizard. He has one cast and one unbind. He can fly really fast. He's 16 inches because he's on a disc. And he has sorceress elixir once per battle. In your hero phase, this unit can attempt to cast one extra spell. If it does so, add three to the casting roll. We've seen that before. Very cool. Very, very powerful rule. And they did call it something different. We've asked for that and here <laughs> we go. We get it. <laughs> Boon of Mutation. It is a spell that has a casting range of 18 and a value of 7. If it is cast, pick one enemy unit within range. Invisible a caster, that unit suffers D3 mortal wounds. For each model that is slain by a mortal wound by this spell, you can add one Zangor model that is not a Zangor champion or Zangor mutant to a friendly Zangor host within 12 inches of this caster. That's important when we talk about units we can refer back. Set up models that are added to this unit one at a time within one inch. Yeah, that's typically how this works. Mm -hmm. Models that are added to this unit can only be set up within three inches of an enemy unit if a model from their unit is already within three inches. Yep. You can take it above its maximum size. Okay? Yeah. Cool guy. He moves fast. He supports Zangors. Nothing wrong with this. Yep. He's a little spendy in terms of maybe the support that you're going to be giving, getting, or handing out. He used to have like a lot of very specific mechanics on those other war scrolls that you don't see anymore. Like it's a decent spell. He's 135, but I don't know that you're getting a ton for him being there. Unless but. you're building around Zangors for some reason. Yeah. And even then. And Zangors are good. Yeah. Well, yeah. So when we talk about units, we'll talk about that. I have opinions of okay. course all right bud enhancements yeah command traits woohoo dan arcanites yeah what are you thinking so i'm thinking my two choices are cult demigod okay for its ability to we talked about fate points and you know destiny dice and all those kind of things so it's wizards only if a casting role for this general is a double and the casting attempt is successful uh, the spell cannot be unbound nice you roll a double and there's a fairly good chance of doing that. Automatic cast and can't be unbound. In addition, you get two fate points instead of one when you cast. I think that's pretty useful over the course of a battle. Mm -hmm. And then the other one is Arcane Sacrifice. Okay. I like that because it says if you start your hero phase, you can cause one mortal wound to a friendly Zinch unit within three inches of this general. Fine. If you do so until that, add nine inches to the range of all spells successfully cast. That's going to make their threat window or threat range pretty significant for a lot of their useful spells. Yeah, I like those two 
for right. sure. I would pick Nexus of Fate. So at the start of your hero phase, if this general's on the battlefield, you can roll a dice. If you do so, you can replace one of your destiny dice with that roll. Okay, sure. I and had a question mark next to that one. That was a close choice, but... The ability to manage and manipulate your destiny dice pool is pretty powerful, because sometimes you're going to roll those dice and you're just going to have a junk dice pool. Sure. So the opportunity to move your dice into the places that might become useful, especially as the game progresses, where you mm-hmm. have an understanding for you know what you might need in a, in a specific spot is pretty powerful. Sure. My second pick would have also been Arcane Sacrifice as well. There are some pretty good spells that could use some extra distance. Yep. Coolio. Yep. Unfortunately, this is only Arcanites. Yeah. And so like the thing that you'd really want to put this on is the... and. Thankfully, you can't do it. Is the Gaunt Summoner to jack up that to a 21 inch range on blowing a unit up? Oh, God. Yes. Yep. He is a demon now. Mm -hmm. So, this demon lore or demon command traits. There's only four of them. But I don't know. I'm not real happy with any of these. I'm picking incorporeal form. Each time this general is affected by a spell or an ability of an endless spell, you can roll a die on a five up. It has a ward. So five up ward against spells and endless spells. Yep. Given what's here, I think that's the best choice. But one of the things we didn't talk about was there's a thing called Arch Sorcerer, which gives you two extra spells. But the problem with that is it doesn't give you any more casts. No. So a little more flexibility, but not worth it, I don't think, in either one of those. Well, and heroes that you're most likely to be making your generals in a normal game is mm-hmm. the Lord of Change, typically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This doesn't do anything for you, like at all. You are, in that case, being incentivized to run somebody else as your general that isn't a Lord of Change. Now, the Arch Sorcerer, I think, is interesting because it's for demon heroes only. Mm -hmm. The Gaunt Summoner is a demon hero. Yes, he is. You could give him Arch Sorcerer to no two spells from the Lore of Change when he has access to all of the Lore of Fate. Two cast, two unbind. You could give him the actual arcane tome right. and become a three cast, which I think is an interesting combination. You could put the Tome of Eyes on him to be re-rolling those values yeah, as well. Right. There are some small combinations here in terms of what you can or can't do. Okay. So I actually do like Arch Sorcerer in the demon, demon side heroes. of things. Okay. I don't like Arch Sorcerer on the Arcanite side. I don't know. You know, two extra spells from the Lore of Fate. Cool, right? For the same reason. The Arcanite heroes are inexpensive in the way where you might want to take your extra enhancement not to be an extra artifact, because some of these kind of suck, is to have everybody know an extra spell. That's a valid enhancement for you to take, is for everyone to know an extra spell. Sure. And that just gives you the flexibility of having all of these different points. You could have uh, redundancy built in across your list you mm-hmm. know, if you choose to go that direction. Yeah, and that flexibility in terms of spell casting is so valuable, Yeah, in this army in particular. Mm-hmm picking my choice i like arch sorcerer in a very specific instance because when we get to the spells we can talk about some of the things that for instance a gaunt summoner on disc might do might really benefit from okay over to artifacts oh man and you would think right this is a magic army casting army a lot of arcane magic things here man combat weapons for as good as the arcanite command traits were their artifacts are just kind of... They are garbage. It's just junk. I mean, you get a change blade. You get a demon heart. You, like, okay, so what? Like, I mean, I put X's through four of these right away. Mm-hmm. And I only put question marks next to two of them. I, I can't with a good conscience pick any of these. They're just... 
Secret Eater. I that's what I would take. Yeah, I mean, that of, was of one of my... Of all of these, yeah. I would pick Secret and Eater. And that's one of the bear's weapons. If a modified hit roll for... Any attack. ...attack made is a six. You have fewer than six destiny dice. You Nine can destiny roll, dice. You can roll and add one. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, that's your destiny dice thing you were talking about. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, there's just not a whole lot here. Really isn't on this side. Yeah. And if you're going to spend one of your enhancements on an artifact, I think there's other stuff. You could have... Arcane Tome. Yeah, you could. And there's some things over on the demon side that are worthwhile as well. Well, and the other part of it is this is Arcanite Heroes only. So there's nothing that you're going to coalition in that's going to have access to this. <laughs> right. Nothing. Right. Zero things. Yeah. Those fighty heroes can't use these. So We'll flip over to the demon side of things here. Mm-hmm. Again, there's also a lot of combat weapons yeah. that are... One, two, three. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right in the list. The one that makes sense to me is the Nine-Eyed Tome. You can reroll mm-hmm. casting, dispelling, and unbinding rolls for the bearer. Yeah. That's pretty good. That's especially good on a Lord of Change, I imagine. If you're going to take the rerolls and you know use that to try and fish for a six and flip dice to get what you need and, and add one to your casting, unbinding, and dispelling sure. rolls. Okay. That's really solid. The Eternal Shroud, I think, is fascinating. Yes. If the bear is on the battlefield, you roll a dice each time you spend a destiny dice. On a five up, you can roll a dice and add it to your destiny dice. So mathematically, you're going to end up with 12. Because you're going to end up with one out of three coming back. And in total, you'll spend, you know, nine, let's say. Three of those you'll get to bring back. That's really good. And if you spike on this, woof. (laughs) You get to keep adding them. And that's with access to, you know, having things that keep your destiny dice pool, you know, loaded up. Lore of Fate, Dan. Mm-hmm. Disciples of Zinch Mortals or Arcanite Heroes. <laughs> yeah. There's some good stuff here. Of the two lores, I think this is the better one. So Shield of Fate is a spell. It has a casting value of only six, so very reasonable, range of 18. If it's cast, pick one friendly Zinch unit wholly within range of visible the caster until the start of your next hero phase that you gains one of the following based on the number of remaining destiny dice that you have. So if you have one to three... One to three left. You get a six up ward. Okay. If you have four to six, you get a five up ward. And if you have seven to nine, you get a five up ward and a four up ward against spells and endless spells. And combined with, what is it we just talked about? Combined with that eternal shroud, you can definitely keep yourself at that four up level, possibly into that seven to nine level. And oh man, really, really good stuff. My other one was Arcane Suggestion. Now this has a lot higher threshold. It's casting value of eight, range of 18. You can, if successfully cast, pick one enemy unit within range, invisible of a caster. Then you get three different choices. And these are all really good choices. Mm-hmm. What you can do to affect it. First one is it can't issue or receive commands. Drop your weapons, subtract one from hit and wound rolls, which is really good. It's not just one or the other. And then subtract one from save rolls is the other choice. So those are all pretty strong debuffs to your enemy units. Yeah. So those were my two choices here. One of mine is Glimpse the Future, mm. casting value of a seven. Mm-hmm. If successfully cast, if you have fewer than nine destiny dice, you can roll a dice and add it to your destiny dice pool. Seems pretty good to me. Mm-hmm. One of the ones on here that is good very situationally is Infusion Arcanum. Casting value of five, if successfully cast, add one to hit and wound rolls for attacks made by the caster until your next hero phase. Hmm. Who might you put this on? Put on your Ogre. That's who I was thinking of. If if you want it, help it on playing This is good for coalition units that have the Mark of Zinch, though. Sure. Like, if you have a Chaos Sorcerer Lord on Manticore... Mm. Oh, yeah. Not bad. But you have to look outside the book for that character. Okay. Okay. That's uh, Lore of Fate. Now we got to talk about the Lore of Change. Yeah, we do. This is the demon lore. 
I'd say that the demon lore has some more offense-oriented options, and I'd like to start, since there's five of them, I guess we'll pick two. Sure. Pairing the arch-sorcerer command trait on a gaunt summoner on disc, you get to learn two lore of change spells, effectively. And you're going to know one already because you're a demon wizard, and then you know also all of the stuff from the lore of fate, which is pretty bonkers. Mm -hmm. I think one of the ones that you're going to be taking is Treason of Zinch. Casting value of 7, range of 18. If successfully cast, pick one enemy unit with two or more models and wholly within range, invisible to caster. Roll a number of dice equal to the number of models in that unit. For each 6, that unit suffers one mortal wound. In addition, subtract one from hit rolls for attacks made by that unit until your next hero Okay, phase. it's a debuff, and you're removing units? Horde Buster sure. followed by a Horde Buster. The way I would start it at is you would start with Treason of Zinch and roll the most dice against the most number of units, and every 6 up is a mortal wound. Mm-hmm. Cool, you've handed out a debuff. Then you could also follow that up with your five-up Horde Buster. Sure, and which is his intrinsic spell. Yep. yep. His natural lore spell. Or you could follow it up with Zinch's Firestorm, casting value this of eight. This is another one, yeah. Yep, range of 12 inches. If successfully cast, pick one enemy unit within range, invisible to caster. Roll nine dice. For each six, that unit suffers D3 mortal wounds. This is why I think that the Tome of Eyes would be most valuable on the Gaunt Summoner mm. is because you're going to have the natural reroll casting unbinding dispelling rolls. You're a two cast to unbind, which means you can give him Arcane Tome as the artifact to have a third cast if you were really looking for it. And the Firestorm is D3 mortals, mm -hmm. which you're going to get at least one statistically. If you spike, that could be a fair amount of mortals on top of all the stuff that you've already described for us. Because you can take your third spell one of these two plus, you know, the war scroll and reach back over into the lore of fate, which you know all of the spells for. And yes. you could hand out arcane suggestion where you've already debuffed their hit rolls. You could then take the arcane suggestion to force them to kneel or remove the ability to have a command points spent or issued to that unit. Like you can take this guy who then you just move up the field, set him up, you drop the unit down that's going to do a heck ton of damage and throw them in. And then he is going to just sit there and do damage, 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 damage. Mm -hmm. There's some nasty stuff this guy can do. Yep. And yep. I get it. He's only six wounds, but he would be a good character for Treacherous Bond, which is one thing that we didn't talk about. Yes. Oh, sorry. No, he's not. Yo, yeah. He is. Uh, he is uh, Treacherous yeah. Bond. So let's talk about Treacherous Bond. I think it would be worthwhile if you're trying to do the tricksy stuff you're talking about with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, casting value of five and a range of nine inches. If successfully cast, pick one friendly Zinch mortal unit wholly within range and visible to caster until your next hero phase while this unit is within nine inches of the caster before you allocate a wound or mortal wound to the caster. Or instead of making a ward roll for the caster, you can roll a dice on a three up that wound or mortal wound is allocated to the Zinch mortal unit you picked and cannot be negated. Mm-hmm. So the number of mortal units in this book is zero. Yeah. Other that isn't a hero. Yeah. So you're going to have to go get a coalition unit from the Slaves mm -hmm. of Darkness book. I mean, we've got Arcanites, but... Go into right. you know, the other book. Right. They're right. cheapest chips. You can take a unit of Marauder Horsemen. It's exactly who I was thinking, because they can keep up with him. You can keep up with him. Absolutely. You can then bring That's another exactly. unit up later to dump the wounds off of if you wanted. But like, there is this combination of things that the Gaunt Summoner on disc really gives you access to and can permit you to be just unusual. It's like six directions that you don't see it coming from. It's pretty cool. So one other combination thing that I thought of, of course, I love Screamers, everybody knows that, was Fold Reality. Mm -hmm. So Fold Reality is a spell that has a casting value of 7, range of 18. If successfully cast, pick one friendly 
Zinch Demon Unit, only within range of visible the caster, and roll a die. On a one, unit is destroyed. On a two up, you can return that number of slain models equal to the roll to that unit. Now, what I'm thinking of is you take one of those really fun guys like a Flux Master or one of those guys, Fate Skimmer, whoever it is, and you have a brick of, let's say, six to nine Screamers, right? Okay, so... People would say, oh, you know, but a one-up that unit's destroyed. I'm not going to use this when I have four or five models left. But if I have one or two models left, and my upside is to get, say, on average, three or four back, I could spike and get five or six back. If I've only got one or two models left, okay, I'm going to take the risk of rolling that one because I'm only using one or two models. But if I can get a bunch of those Screamers back, maybe up to full strength, that's really good for a unit of Screamers. I think I would still be making the rolls even at just below half strength, Mm -hmm. that four or five number, because you're talking about a 16% chance to lose the remainder, mm-hmm. or you're talking about an 84% chance to increase your strength. Yes, back up to whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And that could keep those screamers just recycling. Yep. Just being annoying as heck. And we haven't talked about screamers yet, but they've got some potential. Some you mortals. love screamers. And just the way their rule has been written now in terms of their mortal wound output, they can be pretty. You love screamers. I just do. Okay, let's <laughs> say it. <laughs> So, very cool. The other thing I wanted to note, though, with this lore of change is four out of the five spells have a seven-up casting cost. Mm-hmm. There is some higher threshold here in terms of casting. Now, we have the abilities you mentioned, and we both talked about, of re-rolling those rolls. But still, they have that higher threshold. Yep. And it's just something to think about when you're talking about investing in this. Yeah. Very cool. So are we going to go to change covens and talk about those? Yeah, we can do that next. Let's do that next, and then we can go to units, I guess. Would Mm -hmm. be cool. Change covens, there are six still. And they're very familiar. Yeah. They look a lot like they did. The symbols are the same. Uh, The first one is Eternal Conflagration. And this one has improved the rank characteristic of friendly Eternal Conflagration units. Warp Flame, Billowing Warp Flame, Magical Flame, Missile Weapons by one. So that's all of your flamers and all of your horrors. Those, mm-hmm. That's all of their ranged weapons. Mm-hmm. Their rend is improved by one. Yeah, coolio. For, for ranged weapons, yeah. yeah. Okay. If you're going to lean into that, this is what you would take. It also makes flamers battle line, which is... Coolio. Which is good. Yeah. You have the host duplicitous. Enemy units within three inches of a friendly host duplicitous unit with ten or more models cannot retreat. Mm-hmm. In addition, once per battle, when a host duplicitous horrors of Zinch unit from your starting army is destroyed, you can roll a dice... On a four-up, add a host duplicitous Horrors of Zinch unit with five models to your army. Mm. Set up the unit wholly within 12 inches of a friendly host duplicitous hero and more than nine from all enemy units. Five horrors? Yeah, okay. Yeah. I mean, the value in this is the can't retreat. Get somebody stuck in with a unit of horrors, they're just there for the rest of the game, essentially. (laughs) Pin and win. Wow, yeah, absolutely. Then we have Host Arcanum. Once per turn, in the first, third, and fifth battle rounds, when a friendly Host Arcanum wizard attempts to unbind a spell, he can choose for that spell to be unbound automatically. And this is the one that makes your Screamers battle line. Yeah, that has a lot of value. There's a really important spell your opponent's casting, you're like, no. What do you mean, no? I can, no. Nope. (laughs) <laughs> Sorry. I can re... No. Nope. Just no. All right. Cult of the Transient Form. This is the one that I think is the most fun. You roll a dice each time a friendly Cult of the Transient Form. Carrick Acolyte model is slain in the combat phase. On a 2 to 5 before removing the model from play, the model can fight. On a 6 before removing that model from play, you can add one Zangor model to a friendly Zangor host unit within 9 inches of the slain model. Mm-hmm. The new model can only be set up within 3 inches of an enemy unit if the unit to which it was added is within 3 inches of that enemy unit. The problem here is... is I think acolytes are hot garbage Mm -hmm. and a waste of everyone's time. 
all of that fun stuff. Yeah, but sure. Well, I think it's a fun mechanic. I think it's sure. cool, but... I saw one thing where the guy basically had Zangors backing up a unit of Acolytes and just watching them die and just getting bigger as they died and then going in and doing their thing. So I thought that was interesting. Like, it'd be one thing if it was like a four up. Right. But it's sixes. Yeah. You're going to, you're, you're spending 120 points for 10 acolytes. Yeah. If you, even if you have a unit of 20, you're only going to statistically get three or four back mm-hmm. out of that as they die, which isn't a whole lot. <laughs> you can spend, hear me out. Yeah. This is a crazy math concept. Okay. Here, yeah. Right. Carrick acolytes are 120 points. Okay. You can use your Carrick acolytes and on average get. 1.8 Zangor. Let's for, say two back. For, for that 100, you know, 120 points. Yeah. Zangors are 175 points. You could get. For a unit of 10 with two wounds, right? Mm-hmm. They're two wound models They're you're two getting. Two wound models, yep. yep. Okay. So that's good. You could just spend 120 points anywhere else mm-hmm. and or be 55 points away from a 40 wound block of Zangors. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay, so the next one's the Pyrofane Cult. Add one to hit rolls for attacks made with Sorceress Bolts by friendly Pyrofane Carrick Acolyte units. Just talked about them. In addition, at the end of your shooting phase, roll a die for each enemy unit that suffered any wounds caused by attacks made with Sorceress Bolts by Pyrofane Cult units. On a five up, that unit suffers D3 mortal wounds. This is, to me, the one way that you can make those... If you have to have Acolytes in your army... And you're going to focus on them and make them a thing. Then you, you do. do this. Sure. Then you do but, this. Sure. But are you going to do that? Like, yeah. yeah. Don't be ridiculous. There like, are two shooting sub-factions, one of which you add one to hit rolls and you'll mm-hmm. sometimes do D3 mortal wounds. Mm-hmm. Or there's another one where all of your models are Plus minimum four. rend one. Yep. Most of them are rend two. You're an arcane army, so you're going to be summoning the purple sun if you'd like. You're going to be rend three. Ouch. I don't know. Sounds pretty good to me. Yeah. yeah. Th- this next one is just a hobby choice. The it really Guild of is. Summoners. I quite <laughs> like hobby it. Choice. Your army has the Guild of Summoners keyword. Your fate points can only be used to summon Lord of Change units. Instead of fate point cost of 30, a Guild of Summoners Lord of Change costs 9 fate points the Ooh. first time and 18 yeah. points each time thereafter. In addition, Lord of Change units summoned in this way can be set up wholly within 9 inches of a Guild of Summoner Arcanite Hero and more than 9 inches from all enemy units. Now, this would work out also. There's, I think there's a tactic we're going to talk about where the whole tactic is summon a Lord of Change. Mm-hmm. Okay, if you're into this, if yeah, you're rolling with this... If you're doing this, Guild of Summoners, sure. Absolutely. You can get that particular you, tactic. Yeah, this... <laughs> you know, if you've got... Well, you've got, what, three or four? I currently have four. One of them is going to be shortly on its way to one of our listeners, Dave, who him and I have arranged a trade. Okay. And he's looking for some Zinch stuff, so... Okay. I had four because there used to be a battalion, and I guess there still technically is a battalion. Yeah. But there used yeah. to be a battalion where you would take... Kairos, Three Lords of Change, mm-hmm. and you could re-roll ones of everything. It was pretty neat. Now all you get from the... We'll talk about the battalion. Now you you get, get nothing. You get a command point. That's it. That's all you get for Ooh, that. You're so. talking about a 1,600-point investment to get that army. Yeah. So, okay, cool. I mean, yeah, Coolio, if that's where you want to go, go for it. Awesomeness. Very cool stuff. War Scrolls units. Oh, man. Here we go, Dan. Yeah. Awesomeness, buddy. Let's talk about horrors. And let's basically... There's so many words here. I will read the words, Dan. Please don't will, read the words. I will don't, read the words Brendan, from the don't book. Don't do this. Horrors are, are relatively complicated. They are battle line if everything is pink, mm. except for the unit champion, which is an iridescent. And that's 250 points. 
If you contain no pink horrors, it's 150 points. If you contain no pinks and no blues, you're 125. That 10 pinks represents 50 wounds. It can, yes. Yes. So you you, you you have a choice. If you split again, that is 250 points for 50 wounds. You're talking about five points per wound. Mm -hmm. That is an unbelievably cheap cost for a wound in this game. Unbelievable. It's pretty good. They are pretty squishy, though. We mm-hmm. do have that. Yeah, yeah. Five-inch move, six-up save, ten bravery, one wounds, magical flames, which is 12-inch range. The attacks depend on what kind of horror you have in the mm-hmm. unit. The magical flames is six attacks for an iridescent, three for a pink, two for a blue, one for a brimstone. Fives by fours, no rend damage, one. Talent hands, one-inch range. The number of attacks depends on the kind of horror that you are. Yep. Two for an iridescent, one for a pink, one for a blue, two for a brim. Fours and fours, no rend damage, one. When you select this unit to be part of your army, you have to make a choice. You can either choose to split and split again. It's what you're doing. Or Petty Vengeance. It's what you're not doing. Yeah, it's what you're not doing. (laughs) It cannot have both. Right. You just have to make your choice on your army roster. Split and split again. Each model in a Horrors of Zinch unit must be either a pink, a blue, or a brimstone. You can have different types in the same unit. Mm -hmm. You cannot allocate wounds or mortal wounds to a blue horror if it includes any iridescent or pinks, and you cannot allocate a wound to a brimstone horror if it includes any blues. Mm -hmm. Champion is the iridescent. The standard bearer is 1 in 10. At the start of your hero phase, if you have a Disciples of Zinch Army, roll one dice for each pink horror icon bearer in this unit. For each three up, you receive a fate point. Neat. That's pretty cool. Now, one of the things is, again, as you were talking about, you always have to allocate wounds big to small. Yep. So pink to blue to brim. Yep. You have to allocate the wounds in that order. Have to do it. Yep. Musicians are one in every 10. You add one to save rolls while this unit includes any pink horror horn blowers. Okay, fine. That gives you a five up save. Yep. All right. Split and split again. Each time an iridescent horror or pink horror in this unit is slain by a wound or mortal wound, it does not count as having been slain, but you must immediately remove it from play and replace it with two horrors that are added to this unit. Two blues. Two blues. Yep. Mm-hmm. Each time a blue horror in this unit is slain by a wound or mortal wound, it does not count as having been slain, but you must immediately remove it from play and replace it with one brimstone horror model that is added to this unit. Right. So one pink becomes two blues, one blue becomes two brims, but two the brims. two brims are on a base, right. and it's one, so it's one base, two base, you know, that level of blues, that splits to one base. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. So one pink horror is worth effectively five wounds. One pink yep. horror wound two blue horror wounds, two brimstone horror wounds. Okay. Replacement models that are added to this unit must be set up one at a time within one inch of the position that was occupied by the model they were replacing. Replacement models that are added to a unit can only be set up within three inches of an enemy unit if it was already within three inches of that enemy unit. Replacement models added to this unit can take it above its maximum size. Horrors that flee cannot split and split again. If a horror splits and splits again, it is immediately removed from play and the replacement models are added to the unit before the next wound or mortal wound is allocated to the unit. Mm-hmm. A horror that is removed from play because it has split and split again does not count as slain model for the purpose of battle shock and cannot be returned through the use of rules that allow you to return slain models to the unit. And that designer's note is very important. It's critical. Because it was so abused before, and that's great that they clarified this. Yep, and then the choice that you're not going to make is Petty Vengeance. If a model in this unit is slain, you can pick one enemy unit within one inch of this unit and roll a dice. The roll is equal to or greater than the Petty Vengeance roll for the slain model. That enemy unit suffers one mortal wound. And that roll goes from three to six, depending on the type of horror. And you're not going to do it. Nope. Because you could spend, hear me out, 250 points for 50 wounds, Mm -hmm. or... 250 points for 10 wounds 
and on average five mortal wounds. Oh wow, that sounds. It's a choice. That doesn't. No, that doesn't. That sounds like somebody who has a specific idea in mind, and it wouldn't be to win games. So anyway, we're fine with that. Yep. If you make that choice, we still love you. It's awesome. Dan does. Right. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> okay. Horrors are amazing for the points. Mm-hmm. And they are just the ultimate tar pit. I mean, God. And again, as we talked about, you Brendan. Don't start taking Battleshock until you've done at least 35 wounds to yes. the unit. And there is the potential, as we talked about, based on Destiny Dice, of giving these guys a ward save. So not only do they get a save, they get a ward save. Oh, it's just awful. Yeah. I won't say that it's just horrible because obviously it is. All right. <laughs> Let's go to Burning Chariots of Zinch, shall we? Yes. All right. Much fewer words going yes. forward. Nice, nice. Until uh, we get to Zangor. Zangor's. So Burning Chariots of Zinch, six wounds, four up save, 14-inch move, a 10 bravery. It is a demon. Most We're going to talk about demons first. All the stuff we're talking about at this point is demons. It has a billowing flame attack, four attacks, 18-inch range, four by threes, minus one rend, D3 damage. And because it is a flamer, is this part of that coven we talked about that yep. can get so it can get minus two to the so it's rent. about the missile weapon so it okay. has billowing warp flame which is one of the choices okay yeah billowing warp flame warp flame and the magical flames those are the eligible missile weapons that would okay. improve their rend by one so flaming maws is two inch range four attacks four by threes minus one rend one damage and then this thing has blue horrors all over it so the blue horror jabs is one inch range, three attacks, five by fives, no rend, one damage. And then the lamprey bites, which are typical here on a lot of these units, is one inch range, six attacks, three by threes, minus one, one damage. It <clears throat> can fly. It is an elite unit, so it can issue its own commands. Capricious warp flame, add one to hit rolls for attacks made with this unit's billowing warp flame or flaming maws if the target has five or more models. Coolio. Wake of fire, after this unit is made a normal move, run or retreat. Pick one enemy unit and roll a dice if this unit passed across that model. The model's in an enemy unit on a two up, it suffers one mortal wound. Okay. Who cares? Yeah, that uh, that isn't important. So the burning chariots can be battle line if you have a fate skimmer as mm-hmm. your general. They're mm-hmm. 180 points. Oof. Seems like a lot of points. Yep. They are not single, so you could have units of them. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting. Yep. But as you'll see here, they wound on threes. The Fate Master on disc would be a really good unit to have nearby to mm-hmm. get them to be twos to wound. And the same will be said of the Exalted Flamers on foot and the Flamers and the regular Flamers. Let's but. talk about those first before we talk about Screamers, since we're talking about Flamers yep. here. So Exalted Flamers on foot are the same. They are two fewer wounds and five inches fewer movements. Combat attacks are the same, except for the Blue Horror Jabs and the Lamprey Bites. And the Capricious Warp Flame is the same, and they just don't have a Wake of Fire. Woo! And then you have the Flamers of Zinch. These come in units of three. Two wounds apiece, movement nine, four up save, bravery 10. They have uh, Warp Flame, which is 18 inch range, three attacks, threes by fours, no rend damage D3. Their Flaming Maws are one inch range, three attacks, threes by fours, no rend damage one. They can have a unit champion, which adds one to the attacks characteristics of the model's Warp Flame. Mm-hmm. Their Capricious Warp Flame works the same and they are guided by billowing flames. You add one to the attacks characteristics of this unit's warp flame while it is wholly within nine inches of any friendly exalted flamers and or any friendly burning chariots. So okay, four attacks. Bring them up to four attacks apiece. 
bringing them up to rend one through eternal conflagration mm-hmm. or purple sun. That's 12 attacks for a unit of three. Yeah, 13 attacks with the unit champion. And it's D3 damage. D3 damage. You can get to twos to hit without having to spend a command point, and you can get threes to wound with a Fate Master standing behind you. Yep, that could be pretty devastating. 13 attacks at twos and threes, potentially up to Ren 2. D3 damage is pretty mean. That's pretty scary. And they'd be battle lines, so you could bring it up to a unit of nine if you really (laughs) wanted for some reason. Not going to stop you. (laughs) Yeah, wear your fireman's hat just to play along. That'd be a great cosplay when you're playing these yeah, games. Yeah, I mean... They have the potential. It's 190 points for three, so but, keep that in mind. But, They're quite spendy, but that's quite the fire base, so if you can put them in the middle of something and keep them protected, they can really do some damage. And again, you're going to build around that, mm-hmm. specifically with heroes and so forth. If that is something you'd like to do, yes. Yeah, absolutely. Coolio. Now, here are my boys right here. Yep. So we got I'm just going to push my chair back. I'm going to let Dan wax <laughs> rhapsodical about oh, the Screamers of Zinch. I, God, I wished I knew why I love these models and the rules and stuff with these guys. I think all of I us wish do. you knew why. Yeah. They're 100 just... points for three. And to be fair, Dan, what you get for 100 points is, is pretty good. Yeah, because you're getting three of them, three wounds, five up saves, 16-inch move, and 10 bravery because they were demons. But you're getting nine wounds mm-hmm. for that 100 points. So pretty good. That's right in the sweet spot. And yep. they have a lamprey bite, which is one-inch range, three attacks, three by threes, minus one ren, one damage. But the thing with their slashing fins now, and I think... I think it's got the potential to be really interesting. After this unit has made a normal move, a run, retreated, or made a charge move, pick one enemy unit and roll a dice for each model in this unit is passed across any models in that enemy unit for each four up that unit suffers one mortal wound. So Brendan, kind of stick with I'm worried that I'm going to rain on your parade here, but yeah, please. And you probably yes. will. Yeah. But let's, and that's fine. I love you, man. It's, it's all good. After this unit has made a normal move, so it moves 16 inches over a unit yep. and ends up more than three away on the other side. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to roll six dice and get three mortal wounds on you. Mm-hmm. Okay. But that requires every model to mm-hmm. have touched basically the base. A unit. Yep. Okay. And that, of a model in that unit. Yes, yes. that's correct. Yep. But with 16 inch move, that's... It's not impossible. It's very doable. And now I'm going to charge you. Now, Mm -hmm. assuming I got to get a high enough charge roll to get back across you. So you're overthinking this. Okay. You don't have to go across the unit. You just have to move up to it. Right. Get to point zero 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 zero. I've made a charge move. Even the move move. You just have to get to point zero 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 one inches over that base and then back out three inches. So that unit has to be within 13 inches of your starting points to be able to move a model over a model, quote unquote. Right. It doesn't state that how much you have to move over the model. Right. You have moved over the model an infinitely small point with an infinitely small point. And then back up three inches. And then back up three inches. Then you can do the same thing on the charge roll. So you have to roll at least a four to be able to do this. Okay. So again, six models, Four up, I'm doing three more mortals. So before I do anything else, I've done on average six mortals to this unit. Yep. That's pretty respectable for 200 points. It's all right. That's yeah. okay, yeah. But I think, plus you've got your other attacks, which are three by threes minus one, one damage. Okay, so that's that would be 18 attacks at three by three. If I've got a Fate Master running around with them, mm-hmm. okay, I could do what? I could end you- up with three by twos, 18 attacks. Uh, minus one Ren with one damage. And also, we've got that, I believe it was a spell, Brendan, that 
I could have uh, whoever it is flying around. Minus one to save, yeah. Right, a minus one to save, or I could bring units back. I could bring models back with these guys. Mm -hmm. So I think there's a lot of play. Again, I think they're like flamers where you would build around them to have a unit of them, either six to nine, to do some work. Not only do some work, but to be able to be resilient and stay on the battlefield for a while, annoying the hell out of your opponent. They're going to have to deal with them. They can't just let them sit there. Yep. And they just move so fast, which is really, really fun. I think there's some potential for these guys. The way the rule's been written now, that you can kind of double tap in terms of mortal wounds. You know, not bad. Yeah. Not bad at all. There are worse things, yes. Yeah, for 200, 300 points. Mm -hmm. Some fun stuff. And, you know, whether it's the Flamers or these guys or whatever else, one of the things we'll talk about at the end is that I love how many different ways you can play a Zinch Army. That's very, very cool. I agree. If you want to do that. All right. I'm done now with my Screamers, buddy. Okay. All right. Yes. For 100 points, they're a great screen. I think they're fantastic. Mm -hmm. I don't know that I would find myself committing my actions to what you'd like to pursue here. Yes. Where... You do you. Yeah. Let's take awesome. a quick break and then talk about you know the Arcanite slash mortal battle line units. Okay. Or Here we go. Not hero units. How about that? Sounds great. Here's to five miserable months on the wagon and all the irreparable harm that it's caused me. Okay, listeners, it is time to hit the non-demon units. And we're going to start with Zangor Skyfires. Now, Brendan, I'm just going to say for the points... People have got to sell me on these guys. For three models and essentially three shots, it seems really expensive. And so you want to talk about these guys and kind of run through, try to convince me they're worth ungodly amount of points, 175. I, I don't think I can convince you that they're worth 190 points. Yeah. I don't. I yeah. don't think I can do that. 16-inch move, 4-up save, bravery 6, 4 wounds. So you're 12 wounds worth of models. They have Arrow of Fate, which is a 24-inch range attack. 1 attacks, 4s by 3s, rend 1, damage d3. The bow stave, 1-inch range, 2 attacks, 5s by 5s, no rend damage 1. Vicious Beak, 1-inch range, 1 attack, 4s by 3s, no rend damage 1. Teeth and Horns, 1-inch range, d3 attacks, 4s by 3s, rend 1, damage d3. All right. The champion adds 1 to the Arrow of Fate, so you're 4 attacks mm -hmm. for 3 of them. Mm -hmm. They are guided by the future. You ignore negative modifiers to hit rolls and or wound rolls for attacks made with missile weapons by this unit, and ignore positive modifiers to save rolls for attacks made with missile weapons by this unit. That's pretty good. That is pretty cool. No, no doubt about it. So you can get to 3s by 2s with their bows, which is good. Mm -hmm. Six is to hit, suffer D3 mortal wounds, and the attack sequence ends. Sure. Okay. That's kind of it. Let's assume that I'm going to take two units of these to get a reasonable number of shots. A unit of six with one guy. 400 points. Yeah. Brendan, 380 points for seven shots. And even at threes and twos, at threes and twos, you're hitting 50% of the time, mm -hmm. statistically. That's a 50% hit with minus one rend. Now, you're going to get one of those will be D3 mortals. On average. And you've got a 40-inch threat range because of your move and your shooting. Mm -hmm. But for 400 points, you might be able to maybe be able to kill a five-wound model. And that's real iffy. Maybe you can do that. So let's say it takes you two turns to do that. That's two battle rounds to kill a hero for 400 points. It just seems like there's a lot more in this book. Just to go back to my buddies, I could take 12 Screamers. For that amount of points, it seems to me like they, 12 Screamers would be worth a lot more in terms of what they could do in a game than seven shots 
of Zangor Skyfires. I'm just having a really, really hard time seeing it. They're probably overspent. Skyfires have sins of the past that they do need to still keep paying for. Mm-hmm. We'll never forgive them for, no, for we, what, we for what they did those to us. Days. Oh my God, no! It's a bummer. Enlightened though, Dan. Now enlightened on disc. Let's talk about those first because mm-hmm. they're basically just the same. I can see this as a melee unit for this army. Mm-hmm. Considering the buffs we can get and some other things we can do, they are 16-inch move, four wounds, four up save, six bravery. That's four up saves really nice. Six bravery though. They have the Zinchian spear, two inch range, three attacks, four by threes, minus one, two damage. The beak and the teeth are the same as they were on the Skyfires. The champion gets one attack, so a unit of three of these would be getting 10 attacks, yep. I guess. In the combat phase, enemy units within three inches of any friendly unit with this ability cannot receive commands. That is really good. Holy mutt. No all-out offense. No all-out attack. No inspiring presence. None of that stuff. Yep. Um, guided by the past, you can add one to wound rolls for attacks made with melee weapons by friendly units with this ability if you are taking the second turn in the current battle round. This ability does not affect units made by amount. You know what? There could be times when you get to take the second turn. It's not unusual for that to happen and for you to get plus one to wound wow very very cool you can give them the five up ward for oh yeah you know right the spell that you like to bring up you can make sure to cast into whatever it is that you're going to be fighting that you know you can reduce their save by one you know obviously you're not going to be able to necessarily be out of reach of the bite back from something like purple (laughs) sun right but you can throw yourself into a target and have them be fighting at it effectively Ren 3, and with no ability to all-out defense from your opponent by being within three inches of them, it's a true Ren 3. You can throw mm-hmm. yourself into something that is a four-up save, and they get nothing. You can throw yourself into something that's a three-up save, and they are only saving on sixes. Mm-hmm. Very good. So I think they're worth considering in terms of the points that you're going to have and the damage that they could potentially do. Mm-hmm. They seem like they're worth a lot more in terms of considering for investment than the Skyfires are. And the Enlightened on foot are basically being half the points. Mm-hmm. I think that's pretty all right. So why don't you talk about the Enlightened? They're exactly the same. That's it. They're yeah. half the points. They're one fewer wound and 10 fewer inches in movement and then don't have the disc damage. Okay. No commands. That's, that's it's so, solid. So good. So over to Zangors. Here's a fun thing for you. The Zangor bodies in terms of the kit, are compatible with the Enlightened slash Skyfire box. So... (laughs) Okay. Yeah. So what you can do is you don't have to build one or the other. You could buy three boxes of Skyfire slash Enlightened and a box of Zangor, and you can have nine Skyfires and nine Enlightened the issue is the discs, but you could mm-hmm. convert them. You, you do all could sorts you of magnetize? things. Yeah. yeah, you could magnetize them. You could. It's a good conversion opportunity. So you have that. But Zangor, they're a battle line option. Six inch move, mm-hmm. five up save, bravery five, two wounds apiece. So this unit is referred to as a Zangor host. Each model in a Zangor host That's is important. armed with a vicious beak. That is important. And one of the following weapons, Savage Blade and Shield, or pair of Savage Blades. All models in the unit must be armed with the same weapon option. Two in every five models can replace their weapon option with a Savage Great Blade. Four out of ten can have a Great Blade. And then the other six 
would have either a Savage Blade or and Shield or pair of Savage Blades. One model in this unit can be a unit champion. You had one of the attacks characteristics of that model's melee weapons. Your standard bearer is one in every 10. It can use the Ornate Totem's ability, which is pretty cool. We'll find out about that in a second. One in 10 can be a Hornblower. Hornblowers will let you run and still charge later in the turn. One in every five models in this unit can be a Zangor Mutant with a pair of Savage Blades and Vicious Beak, and you add one to the attacks characteristics of that model's pair of Savage Blades. Four models in 10 have Great Blades. Two units can be Mutants, and then your remaining four are Shield and Blade or pair of Blades. I don't know why you wouldn't take a pair of Savage Blades here, because you can give them a ward, correct? I mean, you can do that. You can you can you give them the ward inherently with the shield, right? But I'm saying we've also got that spell that you could give them a ward, right? But that's only in one place at one time. Understood. But you've got that pair of savage blades in terms of the number of attacks and the profile. Yeah, it just it's pretty good. Do that. Arcanite shields are ward of six plus. Mm-hmm. You had one of the attacks characteristics of this unit's vicious beaks if it made a charge move in the same turn. Yep. And the ornate totems. While this unit includes any icon bearers at the start of your hero phase, you can pick one enemy unit within 18 inches of this unit that is visible to it and roll one dice for each wizard that's within nine inches of this unit. For each four up, the unit you pick suffers one more to wound. Okay. That's pretty all right. So in terms of the weapon profiles, you have four models out of 10 that are going to be wielding savage great blades. Mm-hmm. One inch range, one attack, fours by threes, rend one, damage two. You have your Savage Blade, which you will have if you have shields. One inch range, two attacks, fours by threes, no rend damage, one. A pair of Savage Blades, one inch range, three attacks, four if you're a mutant. Threes by threes, no rend damage, one. And then all of them have a Vicious Beak attack, which is one inch range, one attack, fours by threes, no rend damage, one. Mm-hmm. So if you take a pair of Savage Blades and you charge... If you charge, five. you add one of the attacks characteristics of the unit's Vicious Beaks. So that's two attacks... Mm-hmm. And then the pair of Savage Blades would be three, so that'd be five attacks. Total of five. Right, five. But you have other things in that unit, right? Okay, yeah, yeah. You could, if you wanted, give everything pairs of Savage Blades. That'd be 50 attacks for a unit of 10. Yeah. That's... <laughs> it would also be 52, because you'd include two mutants in it. Mm-hmm. And it would be 54, because you would have a Twist Spray, because the Twist Spray would have one to the attacks characteristic, because it says of their melee weapons of their Vicious Beak and their Savage Blades in that case. Yeah, yeah. be somewhere around, I'm just looking at, you know, so 54 attacks. Man, you can get everybody a third in. third of those are going to You can be wound. 54 attacks at twos and twos. Oh, man. Boof. Boof. That's really good. A little spooky. That's, yeah, two-thirds of those going through. It's a lot of saves to make. And the other thing I was going to pull, Brendan, is this is where the Zangor Shaman could be kind of fun with the unit of these guys. Mm-hmm. Where if he casts that spell, every model that's slain by a mortal wound that it causes it does D3. You can add, Zangors. because this is a Zangor host unit, Yep. you can add models back to this. Yep. And they're two wound models. That could be pretty fun. Yep. You, yep. Get, you get a really good return from that spell for this unit. If you kill two models, you're getting four wounds back. It's a six-wound swing, effectively, on that. Yeah, very nice. So Zangor Shaman combined with some Zangors, you could do some fun stuff. Yes, you can. So that's the second melee unit that has potential there, either pure Zangors or the Zangors Enlightened on Discs. Both of those, because normally people think of Zinch and they're like, eh, you know, melee? No, there's some potential here. And then we come to our favorite non-war scroll. Carrick Acolytes. <laughs> God. <laughs> uh, six inch move, 
Five up save. Five bravery. Oh, Lord. One wound. Sorcerer's Bolt, 18 inch range, one attack, fours by threes, no rend damage, one. They have a similar issue to Zangor's where the combination of things is a little convoluted. So everybody has a Sorcerer's Bolt and yep. one of the following weapons. Either a Curse Blade and Arcanite Shield or a pair of Curse Blades. All models in use must be armed the same. Three and ten can have a Curse Glaive and Arcanite Shield. So your Curse Glaive is one inch range, one attack, fours by threes, rend one, damage two. Okay. The Curse Blade is one inch range, one attack, fours by threes, no rend, damage one. And the pair of curse blades is one inch range, two attacks, threes by threes, no rend, damage one. You are a wizard as long as you have nine or more models and can attempt to task one spell in your hero phase and attempt to unbind one spell in the enemy hero phase. It only knows the Gestalt Sorcery spell and cannot attempt to cast any other spells. Any unit of Karak Acolytes can attempt to cast that same spell. Okay. The unit champion adds one to the attack's characteristic of its melee weapon. One in every ten can have a scroll of the dark arts. You add one to casting and binding rolls for this unit while it has a scroll. One in every ten models can be accompanied by a Volcharch. If an enemy wizard successfully casts a spell within 18 inches, a friendly unit that includes any Volcharchs roll a dice on a 4-up that wizard suffers one mortal wound after the effects of its spell have been resolved. Your Arcanite Shields have a ward of a 6+, and your Gestalt Sorcery has a casting value of a 6, range of 9. If successfully cast, pick one friendly Acolyte unit wholly within range of the caster. Till your next hero phase, improve the rend characteristics of your Sorceress Bolts, which again are a 1 attack, 4s by 3s, no rend, damage 1. You increase that rend by 1. Remember, you can take the sub-faction where you can hit on 3s. Right, you could. Can't roll my eyes any harder. Like... <laughs> Yeah, so that's it for War Scrolls, and all we've got left here to talk about, Dan, is the grand strategies and battle tactics. Yes, we do. All right. Let's talk about those. Yes, let's. So looking through the four here, I'm thinking that Master of Destiny is the choice. It's when the battle ends, add the rolls of any Destiny Knights that you have not used. You complete this grand strategy if the total is nine or more. That's something you have so much control over. You, Yeah, you as, control it outright. Yeah, I mean, if you're a Zeech player and you're allowed to take out of your battle tome, why would you not take this given the other choices? I mean, it's, it's not automatic, almost, but it's almost impossible for your opponent to deny it. It really, really is. Preponderance of fate, honestly, I'm sorry, but if you're not spending 27 fate points, I question your, your judgment here. Yeah, I mean, seriously, you got to have more than 27. That is so much potential models on the board that you have given up to get your grand strategy. I just don't understand that. You were either in such a strong position where you were going to win anyways. And it didn't matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or you forgot. Realm of Magic doesn't seem too bad. When the battle ends, you complete this grand strategy if there are two or more endless spells on the battlefield that are under your control. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's not impossible. It's not the best one. But yeah, Master of Destiny, I think, is the one that you look at and you go, that's what I want to do. Yeah, I'll take that. Um, so, tactics. Five of them. And they're not crazy. No, the one is definitely, if you are a Guild of Summoners, you want this one. You, you, it's the call mm. for change. Yep. And if you summon a Lord of Change, you get this battle attack. Yeah, boom, done. Like <laughs> It's auto for nine fate points. Just choose when you want this battle tactic to go off. Well, I'm already at, you know, nine, so <laughs> this is the turn we're going to do that. And it's the only thing you can summon, oh, so... Man. Mass Conjuration, pick one friendly Disciples of Zinch Wizard. You complete this battle tactic if that wizard successfully casts three or more spells in that turn and none of those spells are unbound. Mm. You don't have very many three-cast wizards. Kairos is the only one that's natively a three-cast. And that's assuming that your enemy does not dispel any of those. Correct. And that's... 
that's pretty iffy. Yep. That's a tough one, I think. Ninefold dismantlement. Pick one enemy unit that has nine or more models, or pick one enemy hero or monster with a wounds characteristic of nine or more. You complete this battle tactic if that unit is destroyed by the end of this turn. I think it's very doable. Yes. In this army, yeah. Between the mortal wounds output and everything else, yeah. Just take a unit of flamers and go... Pick a target. <laughs> you. You're done. <laughs> and I get my battle tactic. Reckless Abandon. Pick one friendly mortal disciples... Now, okay. Mortal. That's key here. Disciples is each unit is more than 18 inches from all enemy units. You complete this battle tactic if that unit completes a charge move in this turn. So, essentially, Acolytes are out. They are mortal. They are the only real mortal unit. So, what you're talking about is charging one of your heroes. You're charging a Magister. Yes. Charging a Magister into somebody to get this tactic. Very doable. Mm-hmm. With the 16-inch move, boom. You know, you run over there and you roll a four and you got your two points. Doesn't yeah. matter if he dies or not. You can't have anything that you coalition in eligible for it. It's just Acolytes or it's just heroes. Yes. That's it. Okay. And there's not a whole lot of mortal heroes you're going to be able to charge that distance. <laughs> other than the Magister, the Fate Master, you could do that with him. You have to be but, 18 inches away. Yeah. You are movement 6 on Acolytes. Yeah, not happening. You have to so, roll a 12 yeah. or have something else that's going to help you. Right. No. So not going to happen yeah. other than charging. It's like the only eligible unit realistically for this is the Magister on disc. Yep. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> okay. But hey, you're going to get your tactic. Yeah, congrats. Very, very high chance. Tides of Anarchy. You, you complete this battle tech if you gain control of an objective that was controlled by your opponent at the start of your hero phase, and you have nine or more friendly models within six inches of that objective when you gain control of it. That's very doable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So the tactics are fine, and that one particular strategy is doable. There's two in here that I really like, right? Ninefold Dismantlement and Mm -hmm. Tides of Anarchy. It doesn't have to be units from your starting army, so it can be things that you summon. Mm -hmm. All of that is very reasonable. The other three are situationally interesting. Yeah, sure. And that's probably the right amount of stuff that you want to take away from a new battle tome is a couple of tactics that you feel all right about and mm-hmm. a strategy that you like. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and it just depends on the TO, where you're going, if they're going to allow them or not. But if they are, you've got some nice tools there. Yeah. So, Dan, so, thoughts on the book? I, I love the fact that there's a lot of ways to play this, and I said that a little earlier. There's a lot of things you can do in terms of... You know, I just love the idea of the flying circus, where you literally just take all flying units, and you can still have a pretty decent army. You certainly could have fun with it. Mm -hmm. I think that's really cool. I think the fact that you could do something with Zangor that would be really effective in terms of melee, the fact that you can make flamers very, very effective if you want to, the fact that you can focus on the magic side if you want and take just some units to throw out there for screens and do some other things. There's a lot of ways to play this army. Be relatively successful at my level, you know? And so I like the fact that I could do those fun things in something thematic and something that just looks nuts. You know, how many screamers do you have? It's fine. All good. Mm-hmm. I'm fine with that. And I'm going to do okay. But also for folks like yourself who are playing at that top level, I think there's the potential to be very competitive with this. Given the combinations that you can do, given the stacking that you can do with some things. So players at any level, I think, can be successful with this book and have fun with it. And yeah. I think that's a success for any battle tome if you can say that. The thing that hasn't changed, right, is you have access to, like, the super Ren Flamers. Thankfully, 
the current edition has drifted largely away from that because they are only six wounds. They are 190 points. Mm -hmm. That is a big investment you have to be making it is a glass in, cannon, into yeah. something that is very fragile and can be eliminated in the blink of an eye with so much in the game, even mm -hmm. if you have them protected, right? You have them away from things. The nice difference is you could hide them away in the silver tower of a gaunt summoner, drop them out, but you're still hiding them behind a unit that is six wounds, yeah, which is also equally squishy. <laughs> Suicide squad kind of thing, yeah. I would be trying to target a one-drop build with, if I was going to have some of the more fragile stuff, there's not really a quote-unquote mm. durable zinch army, mm, right. but the amount of damage that you can kick out is pretty high. I'm certainly interested in toying around with a Gaunt Summoner on disc who has that high-level delivery system. You have an idea of a really awesome combinations for him. Yeah, it's, to me, it's the question of how many points would I have to invest into this to make it mm. worth my time? You know, because, like, you could hide away a unit of six Varengard and go, mm. whoop! <laughs> Hello! <laughs> chuck it out there. Yeah, right? Which would be cool. Yeah. But, you know, now with the Summoner and the Varengard, we're already just short of a thousand points <laughs> of my army. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, what are you going to get for the other thousand, right? Right. Yeah. So that makes sense. Fascinating, interesting. Another right way to put this. I kind of wish they would have made some bolder steps because, like, really, this just feels like they took the book and they just turned the knob down a little bit. They took out, and I'm not complaining about them removing the real egregious stuff that, like, would live in there and be these awful player experiences. But, you know, some of the things that they took out, you're just like, well, that was, like, for me, particularly Kairos, it's like, that's how that unit worked. Well, you, you get your destiny dice. Woo! <laughs> I don't know. I'd much rather have the access to manipulating a single dice a game to just change and alter the flow of battle. Mm. Mm -hmm. But that's just me. So Lords of Change coming in at how high of a points they are, I think you're going to see them less. I don't think you're going to see them none. That's fair. So, yeah. All right, so overall? I think just like all the 3.0 books, it lands right in the middle and that's not a bad place, yep. for sure. Okay, well, that's it for Disciples of Zinch. Oh, man, that felt good to do a book. <laughs> it really did. It makes life a little bit easier. It does for a lot of reasons, but it's also fun to talk about that stuff. All right, listeners, we are going to move on, as we always do, to Scriptorium now. Etc., etc., etc. New releases, Brendan. We have anthology called Empires at War. And if you are a Cities of Sigmar player, this book certainly would be of interest to you. This is the world before the old world empires, but it certainly would give you a really, really good perspective on a lot of the units that are in your battle tome and where they came from and really what they still are. Because there's not a lot of changes that happened in terms of what crossbowmen are or what pikemen are and those kind of things. And the stories seem like they'd be very, very interesting. A lot of really good authors. We also have the <clears throat> not Rogaldorn Primark <laughs> book, not interested. I'm sure there are a lot of people that are interested and that's great. Go for it. Uh, a lot of people love Rogel and what he does in the stories. We have uh, Warhammer Crime Week, which is always an interesting thing when they have a week of anything. So it's either you buy the books separately, five short stories, or you can get a subscription, which is kind of cool. They'll just pump them out every day and let you know they're there. So that's really, really cool. But that's all the new stuff. Empires at War have some interest for me just because I am still, in terms of the lore, really love the old, old world stuff. So we'll see if that happens. But I got so much else in my queue that it would be a while. How about you, buddy, for your stuff? I'm still working on Echoes of Eternity. I've got 
less than four hours left okay. on the audiobook, so okay. I'm getting there. All right. Still loving it. Still having a great it, time with it. It's a very interesting one. Well, I would think be having that love of the world eaters that you do, you really enjoy them as a legion. Yeah. The, this book would be... George Throwing them over the wall. Right just, down your alley. Yeah. I haven't really gotten to the main conflicts yet where, like, I, I know inevitably, you know, Angron's going to show up and, and do Angron stuff. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah, but so far, like, the storytelling of the Blood Angels chapter, I think, is oh, really interesting. And, yes. and they do a really good job of conveying how different Sanguinius is from the other Primarchs. Yes. You know, obviously not just aesthetically, right? He has wings. Right. Um, but in terms of behavior, in terms of, like, mm. the value set that he possesses. Yes. He's much more, if you want to say, human. Much more. He's probably the most human. That's great. So Echoes of Eternity for you. Yep. And then you have so many things. Have you had a chance, by the way, to watch Ford versus Ferrari? No, yet? it's sitting there. Okay, and like, I've got my Xbox hooked up to the main TV. All right. It's so right. like I just have to sit down and watch it. <laughs> okay, cool. So I've got a few things. Um, Undaunted Courage, my Lewis and Clark book, full swing on that. I'm more than halfway through. I talked to you the other night at Hobby Night. There are just so many fascinating things that you find out that you had no idea went on during this journey that these two guys and their group, it ends up being a group of about 30 that they took with them. And you just have no idea what it was like to try to travel 250 years or 200 years ago, just how different everything was. The way the book is written, you're literally going on this journey with them. And that's what's fun part about it. You don't know what's coming next. Mm -hmm. So when they tell you things, you're going, wow, wow. They saw a coyote for the first time, and you're thinking, yeah, what? No, for the first time ever. Almost everybody's seen a picture of one or something, but imagine seeing one for the first time ever. To them, it was unbelievable to see an animal like that, you know? Or the first time they saw a grizzly bear. They're like, what the? Yeah. What is that, right? <laughs> it's one of the things that I think about, like, as I, we travel to all these tournaments around the area. Yeah. It's like, what this place must have been like the f- oh. before all of this. It's so, so desolate sometimes when we're driving. <laughs> yes. But even then, like, it's still mm. impacted by, you know, man, like, we drive through all these cornfields, mm. but that's not what it was. No, not even close. And one of the most interesting things I mentioned to you the other night that, you know, they started off in St. Louis and they went up to the headwaters of the Mississippi. That was the first part of their trip. And I never realized how many different Indian tribes there were along the Mississippi as they're going north. You think about that, and every single one of these tribes had their own unique language. And they had to deal with them to get supplies and they had to trade with them and communicate with them and try to be not hostile because that was the last thing they wanted was some kind of a hostile confrontation. And then it's done. Yeah, right. With that group, they got 30 guys, right? But what was fascinating was almost every one of these tribes had a French trader who lived with these tribes for 10, 15, 20 years when they got there. And they could not only speak French and English, but they could speak the local language. So they ended up hiring these guys like as a contractor while they were there to be their interpreter. So every time they went to another place, they had a built-in interpreter. What are the chances of that? What That is just amazing. The other book I did pick up was called Valpone Glory. The Valpone Blue Bloods, this is a 40K thing. They are kind of the arch rivals of Gaunt's Ghosts in the Gaunt books. Okay. They are blue bloods that 
kind of tells you what you need to know. They're very like, you know, nose in the air, kind of highborn kind of people that, but their regiments are made fancy up of lads. these. Yeah, yeah, fancy lads. They're, all of their soldiers are made up of people from this higher structure, which is interesting because you normally think of guard as being from lower kind of parts of the society, but it's a thing for them in their society to be part of the army. Anyway, you contrast them to the Tanith. You know, and you could see why there would be conflict. Almost every single book, they end up running into the Valpo and it just doesn't go well. <laughs> very, very big rivalries. But the book looks interesting and the story looks interesting. So I think I'm going to give it a shot after I get done with Lewis and Clark. So that's another big book in the queue. Still listening to Throne of Light, getting through. I've got, I think, about six hours left on that one. The story's really cool and then his last command which is the ninth gaunt's ghost book is in my queue for that so once i finish i think i'm going to add a book that's been around for quite a long time most people i think are familiar with tom clancy as a writer and his first two books were um, red october and patriot games but his third book was red storm rising which was about a nato warsaw pact confrontation and it's very comprehensive, not only on the continent, but there's a huge naval and air battle that takes place over the North Atlantic. And I just, for some reason, these little excerpts from chapters popped up on YouTube. And I was listening to them going, Brendan, this is the thing that was going on when I was in the surface Navy years mm. ago. So this was literally, it was the Cold War I was fighting. Things they talked about in this book, I experienced personally. You know, the language that's so different. You throw out words like vampires and wild weasels and people are like, what are they talking about? But you know, if you lived through that time and you were in the service at that time, you understand exactly what those things are. And it just goes to Clancy's... Technical knowledge. Yeah, the way he spent so much time researching this stuff and spending time out in the field with servicemen, you know, and units. So I'm really thinking I'm going to add that to my listening queue. Cool. And listen to it again. It's just such a great book. And I have mentioned the book, The Bear and the Dragon, to you, which I think you would find fascinating, one of his books. So anyway, Dark Nick Diaries as always, and then finishing up, I'm just watching, and I put old movies in quotes, like The Island isn't that old, but it's been around for a while. I just watched that again. I'm watching Iron Man 2 again. And just older movies that they burn Iron time. Iron Man 2, so old. <laughs> yeah. The mid-aughts. Right. <laughs> but it's so just, ancient. It, feels that way compared to you know stuff we're watching now but it's it burns time when i'm on the rowing machine and i just lose track of what i'm doing sure so it makes that time go fast that's great but that's been all my stuff so oh we're good then let's move on to this or that your call i'm gonna have you start dan okay I have a couple of Sigmar questions here. Okay. And then other stuffs. So the first, would you rather take for the points you have available, Enlightened on Disc or Zangors, given what they are in the current book? Yes, I'm, that's a good question in the sense of you can get six Enlightened on Foot for roughly the same cost of 10 Zangor. The difference is, is you can get Zangor up to units of 20 and 30 if you'd so like. Your wounds characteristics between the two is gonna be very similar. I think your primary choice is going to be Zangor on foot because they are battle line. Mm -hmm. If you're trying to duck the Galatian veterans component of it, you would take the Enlightened on foot. So do you think that the Enlightened on disc are worthwhile then? Yes. Okay, they would also be a choice then. The reason you would take the ones on disc is for the movement characteristic. Sure. To be able to be that value and to go reach out and touch somebody 
And it also eliminates the veterans, the Glacian veterans yeah. piece as well. Okay. All right. The next one is, do you take a Flux Master who has that cool rule of adding destiny or fate points on the five ups? I think that was his rule. Or do you take the Cursling who can steal spells? I think I'm adding fate points. I think I'm taking the model that gives me the ability to cast a spell, get a fate point for that, and then roll nine dice and on average get another three fate points so it's one cast that's on average going to be worth four but up to ten and as you know as few as one okay you got a garage door relatively recently i did yes it's a wooden garage door it's not anymore it's it was it was it's aluminum now it is these are key elements about my life yes of course so wooden or aluminum garage door well we'll see how i feel you know through the winter yeah, my old wooden door was very heavy, and it, the springs broke, and so I had to get all of that weight off the ground. That was quite the experience. Maybe I'll have a different answer through the winter, but right now it's the aluminum door. Aluminum door, okay. So a sports question, Army and Navy are both pretty sucky this year. Army's 1-3, and three, Navy's 1-2, and two, only because they had a buy, or they'd probably be 1-3. Mm-hmm. Two parts to this question. First of all, who do you think is going to have a better record at the end of the season, and who do you think is going to win the Army-Navy game, given what we know at this point? It's going to be a toilet bowl, I'm just saying. That's my opinion as a Navy guy. Yeah, I'm going to say Army for both, if for no reason other than, Dan, your 1-2 and two is very different from their 1-3. and three. Oh, yeah. Their their one and three is collectively across those three games, except for one Mm -hmm. of them, a couple of bounces away from them being a three and one team. Mm -hmm. They have demonstrated offense. They have demonstrated defense. The one win that they had, they played against effectively a lower division opponent. But Navy played against a lower division opponent and Uh, lost. Yes. But Army ran for 400 yards in that game. They can move the ball. Sadly, I have to agree, given the fact that their offense actually has output in terms of the scoreboard this year. Yeah. Uh, that's scary. If you difference. can score points, you can win a game. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Playing in stark contrast to what Iowa does. Yes. Okay. So the last question is two people okay. that you get a chance to meet. Mm-hmm. And just sit down for a while and talk to them. Either Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs, whatever you want to yeah. call him. Uh, the founder of Apple. Or Oppenheimer? I hate Steve Jobs, so this is a no-brainer. Okay. I think the culture that he inflicted on the world, which is largely the Apple products, I think is bad for society. I have some strong feelings on... And right, this stands in stark contrast to an individual who spearheaded the development of the single most deadly piece of technology in the world. It's a conversation of the lesser of two evils. And I believe you can't have a trillion dollar business and say that it serves an economic good to society. They have monopolized a trillion dollars in value, have made some very rich people very, very rich, and it's come at the expense of humans. Well, on the other hand, you have an individual who developed and tested successfully and now, he wasn't responsible for the deployment of it. No. First, atomic bombs. Right. They have subsequently been refined on and made more dangerous. But approaching 100 years since their utilization, we have experienced an unprecedented level of societal peace. There are conflicts that we deal in and engage in. But when you're talking about the number of nations in conflict and the percentage of persons at war, significantly reduced and you can move into military political theory of you know mutually assured destruction is the thing that potentially keeps us from mm-hmm. moving in that direction mm-hmm. which i understand has its own merits and has certainly its own detractors where mm-hmm. it assumes 
two good actors in good faith in that game. Sure. And that is not always going to be the case, and we would be naive to assume so. It becomes a what-if game with Oppenheimer specifically because, yes, he was responsible for the development of it, but at that specific moment in history, Mm -hmm. you had at least three other nation states who were working on that particular piece of technology. Sure. It just, he happened to be first. I find it much more difficult to ascribe fault to that individual than I do someone like Steve Jobs, who has a longstanding track record of treating people absolutely miserably. Easy choice. Yes. Okay. So I'm, Tell us how I'm, you really so I'm feel. I'm sorry, everyone. Feel. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm hoping that one of my questions will elicit that same style response uh, from you. I don't know. Okay. Uh, so first up, Dan, of the four chaos summoning styles, fate points, blood tithe, contagion points, or you know your slanesh depravity points, which of your four is your favorite? Depravity. Okay. And I like depravity because I think the ceiling for achieving it is so much lower in terms of all I have to do is wound a unit. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's all I have to do. And I have tools in my toolbox so that I can wound a lot of units if I want to very quickly. I don't have to kill anything and I can summon a lot. There's a certain threshold and there's certain mechanics that are a little more complex, a little more hard to achieve in terms of the other three. So that's why if I'm just looking at the summoning mechanic, I think Slanesh has a really, really strong way to get those summoning points quickly. Would you rather take a Lord of Change or Kairos? Oh, Lord of Change, for sure. Okay. Because I can give him command traits, I can give him enhancements, and make him specifically what I want him to be. Demons or Arcanite slash mortals? Oof. I got these little blue floaty guys floating in the back when I want to answer this question, right? I want to oh, give them my more. screamers. <laughs> right? But in terms of potential and damage and competitiveness i think the mortal side is a little i think they have a little more they got some punch. to give i really do and so i would take the mortal side okay if i had to do the arcanite mortals my next question if cindy if you have an opinion on this one too i'd like yours as well both of you are baseball people oh god right now something is happening in baseball that is interfering with my ability to watch college football okay every time aaron judge goes to bat <laughs> they cut in to watch him hit his 62nd home run yeah. of the season. Yeah, of course. Dan, who is the true home run leader? Is it Roger Maris or Barry Bonds? Oh, God, you Roger did. Maris. Okay, Cindy says Roger Maris. Maris. Okay. Bonds is too controversial. I mean, I'm just... But he hit the home th- run. It doesn't matter. Okay. If the reason you hit the home runs is premise that you have, then no, because those aren't real, personal opinion. They're not real home runs. If you can do it without, let, let Barry Bonds just go back in time and not made the choices he made. He still would have beat it, like I think. I don't think so, but yeah, I think Roger Maris. Okay. Well, I'm looking forward to Aaron Judge hitting a 60-second home run. Of course. So that he can stop interrupting my college football games. <laughs> of course. And will see how high he can go. Yeah, I, he'll keep doing it. No, just... Do your 60-second, and then let me know <laughs> if and when he gets close to Barry Bond's number. Oh, my and, goodness. And, you know, we can watch that, right? Like yeah, it's of course. Fine. Mm-hmm. My last question, Dan, college football. Would you rather your team have the worst defense in the NCAA and the best offense in the NCAA, guaranteeing that basically every game is going to be decided, you know, 45 to 44 or something mm-hmm. stupid? Sure. Or the best defense 
and the worst offense, guaranteeing that basically every game ends seven to six. Well, <laughs> a lot of punting. <laughs> I would rather see my team in particular, scoring points on the board. I'd rather see a lot more offense because I love seeing the triple option run the way it's supposed to be run. I, I love seeing it. It's just amazing to watch the fluidity and the... When executed uh, correctly, it is it very is difficult just, to stop. And it's just beautiful to watch it happen. Just as a, a spectator, sometimes you don't know what's going to happen. You don't even know where the ball is sometimes. And that is really fun in college football. I think that's one of the things that makes the Army-Navy game really interesting is those Mm. are, with Georgia Tech, no longer running the option. Right. Those are the two teams that know that best. Mm -hmm. And they both run it. Mm -hmm. And their defenses are the only two defenses that are really keyed up to manage it. So Mm -hmm. I always find it interesting because both teams are forced to explore unusual premises with that offense when the teams are relatively equally matched. Uh, There were a couple of Navy teams, you know, five, six, seven years ago that were really quite good and were running a borderline modern offense out of the mm-hmm. option. But, yep. you know, that's not the case yeah, currently. No, no, not recently, no. Yeah, so those are my questions, Dan. Okay, man, that's it then for us. Awesome. So let us move on to show close. There is something going on around here, something you may not even know about. All right, before we do Sunday announcements, we got Q&A, mm-hmm. and you got a question. I don't. I did not get one this week. Okay. So it is all you, Dan. Okay, this is a very easy question. He said he's been listening to the show for quite a while, but he's kind of figured out that he thinks he knows what I'm going to do. And he's asking the question, so when are you selling your vampire army? That was the question. Ooh. And I'm like, Cindy, are you Trevor? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no, no. We just had... We just had this conversation. And it was like, what did this guy, where did he come up with this? Like, when am I selling my vampire army? And the answer is soon. probably soon. We've talked about the changes, Brendan, you and I, and especially given that like half of my soul blight army is wolves. Got like 60 of them or something. Given in the current state of the game their value i think they're just gonna go and then i'll figure out what the next army is i I don't know i have a couple ideas of course but yeah the answer to your question is soon moving on sunday announcements we have a fair amount of stuff man yes we do exciting we have blood angels upgrade shoulder pads well besides that (laughs) blood angels mark four (laughs) chest plates of course world eaters chest plates mark two start with this there are cataphracti Terminator shoulder pads for world eaters. Nice. Mark three and Mark four world eater shoulder pads. So I'm feeling good. Land Raider Proteus. Oh yeah, the little buddy. Yeah, yes, little that's good. Compact Proteus. Yeah. The Warhammer Day Baynard's Revenge model. Yeah, then that looks pretty neat. Lovely, lovely diorama. Yeah. There's a book about Hellbrecht, and then also up for pre-order is the new Battle Tome Lumineth Realm Lords, yes. and Giants kit as well as the King Broad kit and the Vanguard box for Lumineth Realm Lords, which includes 10 Wardens, 10 Sentinels, 5 Blade Masters, and a Cathalar. Okay, we got some books. We got three shows that we have planned out now, which makes life super duper easy. We've got a show for Giants, a show for Lumineth, a show for Dragonfall. Yep. Probably in the Giants episode, we'll also talk about your trip to RockCon. But that's three episodes that we now have like slotted. Uh, (laughs) It is a good feeling. (laughs) Sure is. I love being creative, but 
sometimes you just want to take a break. <laughs> All good stuff. Let somebody else do that. All right, man. That's good news. That's, that's great it. news. That's the show. All right, man. Listeners, will be out with our Lumineth episode in the next couple weeks, it looks like, because a week from when, a week from Saturday coming up, we're going to have the book, right? Yep. Yeah. So that's awesomeness. Yeah, that'll be another one where we'll only have the book for a very short window of time. <laughs> and boom, we'll grab it and do what we got to do. Sprint around. <laughs> Thank you, as always, my friend for being here and listeners thank you as always for being with us and putting up with our foolishness we really appreciate that and always send questions if you have them to either cubic shenanigans at gmail or to brendan on twitter at hobby underscore bear or you're welcome to confuse me for a tie clothing line uh <laughs> as i'm currently getting on my twitter feed yeah so. right okay again thank you all and you all take care stay safe stay healthy and remember don't forget shenanigans because life is better when you're up to something. Bye. This is the end.